Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Cravello and your eyes do not deceive you in the words of Snoop Dogg, solo on that ass. Uh, Richard is uh, dealing with a bad cold. We were scrambling to try to get some guests. Uh, we didn't uh, have any luck, so uh, this one's all mine, guys. Uh, but uh, those in the chat, uh, chime in with some comments and some topics. I'll be able to happily, I'll, I'll, I'll happily uh, be willing to tackle those for you. I've already got, as you can see on the rundown, plenty of things to talk about and plenty to keep us occupied uh, throughout uh, this podcast. Uh, podcast in this edition uh one more time we're going to big it up we're going to keep bigging it up uh episode 300 uh sunday march 24th time to be determined um we will uh definitely uh keep you in the loop on when that happens uh we expect that to be a pretty extensive edition um uh hang on a second oh richard can you jump on for a second you don't have to show your face. Yes. We have a last second uh, willing guest here. Okay. You've been spared. You're not going to have to hear me blab the whole time. Uh, Richard is sending the link over to uh, our good friend Rafa Rispo. Uh, so Rafa is going to uh, help man this with me. Rafa's coming to the rescue, guys, because I don't know if I could have done all this by myself. I think the last time I had to do this, we got Martino Puccio in here you know, uh, as a late substitute. So, uh, we are making that happen. <laughs> that's about all you're going to get. That's about all you guys are going to get out of Richard tonight. Unfortunately, sorry about that. And, and while I'm waiting, while we're going to try to see if we can stall Eduardo's in the house, we've got Dominic Anthony. Good to have you all with us. Pack the chat. If you're watching us live here, uh, jump in, uh, let's tackle a comment. Let's tackle a question. Um, and, uh, you know, see where, uh, you know, see where it goes from there. Like I said, Anything you want to talk about, we'll take things on. So uh, while we wait for uh, Rafa to join us, um, I uh, will give you the rundown of what we're doing. We're going to break down Fiorentina and, La- Fiorentina and Lazio. They met for the 150th time on Monday night, and it was a uh, rather uh, entertaining and pulsating game. Uh, Milan Atalanta, the controversy surrounding that match, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to get into the rest of match week 26. We're now going to we will squeeze in a little bit of Napoli talk since we had Rafa on, since we'll have Rafa on, and then the under the radar historic run that Inter is on. I think this there's a lot of things to talk about here. There's a lot of things that Inter are doing that nobody is really talking about, and it's maybe because um, they were probably expected to win Serie A this season. Uh, so it's very likely that we don't think about these things, but I'm going to run down a lot of stuff. And a lot of it is in reaction to talking, you know, to kind of piggyback something I said last week to the Pioli out crowd about Inter just being that damn good this season. Uh, statistically it's off the charts and we'll talk about that. The relegation dogfight. 
you know, some teams did some did some favors for themselves. Some teams continue to uh, kick themselves. We're going to get through that a little bit. The Europa League draw. Uh, and then finally uh, wrap it up from there. We're going to get into Who on Calcio Twitter next week um, when we get when we get Richard back and healthy. So let's get into it. And uh, eventually, Raf is going to jump in and, and join us. But uh, for the 150th time in Serie A, Fiorentina and Lazio uh, locked horns for uh, Fiorentina. Uh, we had Terracciano in goal. We had uh, Coyote, uh, Milenkovic, um, Ranieri, and Biragi across the back. We had Arthur and Bonaventura in a kind of a double pivot. Uh, Nico and Sotil on the flanks with Beltran behind Belotti. Uh, 4-3-3 for Lazio, as we come to know from uh, Maurizio Sarri. Probedel in goal, but Sarri, Casali, Romagnoli, and Marusic were the back four. Uh, Luis Alberto, uh, Danilo Cataldi, and Ganduzzi. Across midfield, Immobile as the striker, and he is flanked by Felipe Anderson and Isaacson. Um, and really, the way this match came out, Fiorentina came out flying. Um, and in uh, you know, as, as we take a look at the you know, the whole of the match, uh, in the words of the great American sportscaster uh, Tim Brando, the iron was unkind. Uh, over the course of this ninety minutes, Fiorentina hit the post four times. Um, but they created multiple chances early on, uh, really through winning a lot of winning tackles and just starting the attack quickly, you know, as they were trying to catch Lazio off balance with the way Lazio defend and some of the changes that they have made, uh, under Maurizio Sarri this season, kind of looking, looking like a little bit more of a defensive team and not trying to give up much, uh, too easily. They're trying their hand at that. Um, and if you looked at Lazio when you watched them defensively, that back four dropped deep. They didn't want anything behind them. Um, they were avoiding it, and they were, you know, Fiorentina were getting off chances, but they were getting off chances that were getting deflected for corners. Um, you know, Provedel was called into a couple of important saves, um, you know, but, uh, you know, Fiorentina kept pressing and pressing and pressing. They had a couple of chances off the, off the post, and then Lazio scoring in the first half really – the way that Lazio were going to score. You you catch Fiorentina coming forward, you catch him with their numbers, and then you hit him on the counter. It's a uh, Luis Alberto goal played in by Guendouzi. And I like this goal because it was a quick counter where they built numbers quickly on the right-hand side. It was almost like there were three Lazio players, almost four Lazio players on the right to just two Fiorentina defenders. So the other thing that you got to look at here is, is Fiorentina's recovery defensively as a team was very poor, uh, left all of those passing lane, lanes open, and and a player like Luis Alberto, who has so much experience, is just going to get through that and find that. And uh, Guendouzi played in played him in very well. Um, so credit Lazio for taking advantage of exploiting the spaces, but also we can be very critical of Fiorentina for the lapse in concentration, not getting the numbers over to 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 cover, um, you know, and take away those spaces. So. I saw some Fiorentina Twitter guys out there, uh, 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 Giancarlo Rinaldi being one of them. <laughs> I think he, I think he said it best on Twitter. He said, "I hate Calcio," uh, because it was a, it was a half really. When you look at it, this was dominated by Fiorentina, uh, you know, and certainly deserved uh, to maybe be be two or three to the good uh, by halftime. But they're left uh, going into the dressing room wondering, "Gosh, how in the heck did we just let that happen? How in the heck did we dominate this first half?" Um, and then uh, and, and not come away with anything. So some perspective on the first half. 
Uh, outshot Fiorentina outshot Lazio 12 to three, three on target. So three saves from Provadel, 62% possession. I mean, this was all Fiorentina all the time. So, um, you know, but Calcio is funny like that, isn't it? Uh, and, but we still had to play uh, a second half. Um, and oddly enough, uh, Fiorentina would get their goal, their their leveling goal, as a result of Lazio failing on the counter. And I can't remember where the pass was, but it was poor. Um, it fell to a Fiorentina defender. And as Lazio are going forward and starting to stretch for the counter, they get caught on one bad pass. Fiorentina is able to go the other way and take advantage of the space afforded to him before Lazio can recover. Um, and then it eventually... Uh, gets uh, crossed over where uh, a You Better Know Them and Squadra Pinota player, uh, Coyote, gets on the score sheet, making it 1 1. Um, and then uh, uh, that, uh, that set the tone for Fiorentina. They would actually get another quick counter, get into a dangerous area where Belotti was fouled, Fiorentina getting a penalty. Um, and then that was finished by. Uh, well, it wasn't finished. It actually, that was the fourth time that the ball went off the post um, on, on Nico's penalty. But they would get the winner. Uh, just, you know, you can call it a failure on Lazio's part to get to the second ball. Maybe a mishandling by Provadel on the save. But Bonaventura pounces and gives Fiorentina what I think was a very well-deserved win uh, by two goals to one. Uh, Lazio defended for their lives in this game. I don't think they never really looked like they, they looked to try to get it on the counter when they did counter it was there i mean and i think that when you look at this game while fiorentina dominated um you could also say that lazio it's one of those fine margins that a a bad pass on a counter set the tone for fiorentina to get back in this game as far as the scoreline was concerned um and uh you know what if they hit that pass and, and Lazio get through, and it's two nil, and then they're then they're then they're incredibly chasing the game. So, um, so that's it. I'm gonna catch my breath here a minute. I'm gonna bring someone in. He's coming to the rescue. He's saving the city. I sit down tonight. We've got the founder of Far from Vesuvius here. Uh, he's the host of Noi Tifiamo Napoli podcast on the FFB Network. Uh, I don't know how many caps he has. His hair is cut. The last time we had him, the last time he had him, his hair was all the way out to fucking Manhattan. <laughs> but no more. No more. No he's, more. I, think he, I don't know if he's trying to get corporate on us or something like this, but the beard's still there, so we appreciate that. Uh, Rafa Rispo is here. Rafa, ciao. Great to have ciao. you back, man. How are you? Frank, I'm doing really good, man, and, and, and I'm happy to come in last minute. I... I was literally sitting on the couch with the family watching Rhythm and Flow Italia on <laughs> Netflix, which is which is insane, guys. I, anybody who who's into like Italian rap, check it out on Netflix. It's it's dubbed in English in the states, except for uh, the rapping. It obviously, is, <laughs> is you know that you're listening to them rap in Italian or in Napoletano even, and and the the subtitles are coming on the bottom of the screen as as you know the rest of my kids can understand all of it, and 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 it's just a really interesting show. We just found it yesterday. I guess it's a thing in Italy right now, but it's on Netflix. Check it out. I was watching it. And I'm just kind of like, oh, we, the fit episode ended. I open up my messenger, and it's Frank going, Rafa, can you step in uh, at 9 o'clock? <laughs> and it was 9.06, and I'm like, oh, my God, if I saw this earlier. 
Oh man, but I'm so happy to be back. I don't know. I don't remember what number cap it is. All I remember is that we have birthdays coming up. Frank, We're birthday right? twins, we, man. That's we right. Are birthday twins. Yeah, it's funny too because uh, yesterday I was on the show with Dan Russo, my new um, my new co-host for my new podcast, Noiti Fiam Monopoly, and he's March 11th, so we kind of dubbed each other the Pisces Paisani. So um, <laughs> I like it. So, but here's another Pisces Paisani. Actually, it's a it's a it's a birthday Paisano right here. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's uh, an honor to be back here, and I, I'll help out as much as I can. I mean, you know, whatever uh, whatever you guys got going on, I'm loving the new look to it. It looks really good. Great to have you with us. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate it. Um, I guess we can. I mean, let's touch on Lazio, uh, the, the game last night, uh, the defeat to Fiorentina, just because. I mean, you know, Saudi, you know, from the time playing at Napoli, are he he went from you know playing very expansive, aggressive attacking in his time at Napoli. And then he went to Juve. And I, I just wonder if maybe it was something in the water in Torino that, you know, at Lazio he's getting a little more pragmatic and he's dropping guys deeper and playing more defensive and counterattacking. And this just doesn't, you know, I, I don't – I guess I miss Saudi ball, but I also get it because he just doesn't have the players at Lazio to pull that off like he did yeah. at Napoli. Yeah, at Napoli it was a thing where, you know, he had all the right players, right? The, mm -hmm. He had he had his 11. It was his classic 11. There was no changing. Um, you know, he might have used two or three guys off the bench so so we would we would actually we actually called it the classic 14. Mm -hmm. Um uh same subs, plug and play. Um but he had the team. He had the squad, you know. Uh, actually, we were talking about this yesterday too on the show. How uh, how tired we were at the end of the season because it was just constant, you know, same yeah. formation, same lineup, no changing. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was afforded those kind of players at Napoli and at Juve. I mean, even at Chelsea, you kind of saw a glimpse of of Saudi ball. There was a lot of times where the the players at Chelsea when he was there just couldn't finish and. And that's not on him, but the game the game was there. It wasn't until, like you said, when he went to Juventus, where now he's there to service kind of Cristiano Ronaldo, and mm -hmm. like like you know he you know he's got to sort of formulate his attack of uh, you know and his gameplay uh, around Ronaldo and the boys there. You know what's not broke don't fix, right? I mean they won the Scudetto. Uh, it was COVID season, so I kind of feel like Lazio got the got the the rub the wrong way that that season because they could have I think if the season kept going they would have won that that title, um, uh, but yeah I mean this team at Lazio it's it's a different team you know you said it yourself there's the players are not there for him and I don't know if Lotito is like willing to go ahead and buy the players he needs or if it's just Saudi ball with Saudi ball at Napoli and there's he's trying to replicate it and it's just not happening. So, yeah. you know, I understand frustration on the Lazio Lazio fan side, but at the same time, uh, I feel like last season was like the top season he he could he could get with with these players and and I think that Lotito has to do a better job in getting replacements. Although Guendouzi is a really good, you know, he's proven yeah. to be really good this season. He's uh, had a nice season. Yeah, Kamada um uh he he Kamada, right? Is that that's yeah. his name, right? Yeah. 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 He 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 was a really big prospect in there and, and just kinda isn't working out. You know, and then, you know, you, you, I, I was a big personal fan of Tati Castellanos from his time at New York Red uh, New York uh, City FC and 
And then he went out actually to Girona last season and played really well, scored four goals against Real Madrid. But it's really not happening for Lazio, is it? So, you know, and and you got an aging Mobile. You just, I I don't know. He's still kind of relying on Usai in the defense and Provedel isn't what he was last year. You know, and I don't know. Just something feels wrong with what's going on at Lazio. And and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Sadi... If he if he wants these players, he's gonna have to contend with you know Lotito and tell him, hey, listen, we we've got to get some players I need here. So like, yeah. you know, what are you gonna do? Otherwise, yeah. I could really see him leaving at the end of the season, honestly. Yeah, Isaacson is a player that I think it, it took some ad, took some adapting, too, yeah. but it looks like he's starting to catch on. So that's a piece that they can certainly build around moving forward. Sure. Um, you know, you got Fiorentina now with the win here on 41 points. You know, right now with the way things are shaping up for ne- next season's Champions League and with the success of Syria in Europe, um, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, as we still have every every team uh, from Syria playing, still playing mm-hmm. in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fiorentina sit here on on 41 points, and now we know that fifth might be the goal. Uh, for the Champions League next season. So just five points back of Atalanta. The defending concerns me um, with this team, and I think that that is what is ultimately going to inhibit them from being in the Champions League next season. I still think they grab a European place. Um, your boy, Raf Biz, is in the chat, by the way. Biz, um, what's good, Biz? He's trying How to – I think he's abbreviating his name to try to make himself uh, – what do you call it? Uh, uh, scarce? Yeah, there's uh, no scarcity with Biz. We know who he is. Come on. Let's go, Biz. <laughs> um, so, I miss you. I miss you, Rafi. I miss you. <laughs> um, so uh, – but I, I, I think it's the defending that does them in, and I think that the goal they conceded was classic. I mean, classic. When, when they get expanded – uh, when the with the way that they want to play and with the way they want to attack, they just you know the goal they conceded. Um, a great counterattack by Lazio. They got numbers up to a certain side, but then you're watching Fiorentina and you're watching just it was it almost looked like half-assed when you watch them try to recover. Yeah. You know, like they hoped Terracciano would save it or, or something like that. It, it's weird to me, but I think they lapse in concentration in those moments enough that I just don't think they get enough points to overtake a, an Atalanta and an even better Roma team. Um, you know, I think Europa League is a reasonable position for them here by the time this is all said and done, despite the fact they got a nice win here against Lazio. Yeah, and, um, you know, Fiorentina is one of those teams where, you know, led by Italiano and, yeah. and you know, he, a lot of us at Napoli are like, you know, really like looking at this guy to, to come in and, and hopefully save the team from whatever's going on with Napoli. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but, but I, when I see, when I see Fiorentina play, I see a lot of holes in their game and I see a lot of. Like, like you said, um, um, missteps or mis, like you know, like like uh, mistakes and like yeah. uh, uh, just kind of like like lapses in concentration. Like you definitely said, it, there's a lot of problems there, you know. And it's a good side; it really is. You know, you got uh, uh, Beltran who came in, who it took a little while for him to get acclimated, but he's he's doing really well lately. They brought in Belotti at the at the midway point. He's got you know an assist from the yesterday's game, and he he's actually made an impact. You know, you got guys like Coyote who I really really enjoy watching all the time. Coyote is great. Uh, you know, yeah, I I love the guy. 
he's very good. Um, I didn't even know he was Italian. I had no mm-hmm. idea he was a young Italian until a, a few weeks ago. But but you you think that they've got this team that they're going to do something with with Italiano as good as they did last season as well. But then you know they're they're right they're still in that like conference league level place position yep. you know and and I really would like to see them get into the Europa League because I think that they can you know they can, they've made noise in the in the conference league last season they did uh, got to the final could have won it um, yep. this season they could probably get back to the final but next season I'd like to see them take that step up into the Europa League if not the Champions League. Um, um, but but I'm not so sure about Italiano anymore. Like I've said that, and I people I think people have kind of like 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 called me out on that. But but I don't know. Like 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 over the past couple of months, I just kind of seen like his teams like slip and fall, and 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 it's it's it remains to be seen. But but I do like the side. I really do. I, I yeah. think they have good players, and I think they have a good upside. Yeah, I I agree. I think I, they're an entertaining team to watch. Right. Um, you know, and especially the game they especially the performance they put on yesterday. I mean, yes. Four four shots off the post including the the penalty from Nico. Um, you know, those aren't those don't show up in the seven shots that they even had on target. So, right. Right. you know, so so Provedel got called into five saves and had to make some big ones too. Um, you know, but yeah, it, it's it's an entertaining team to watch, but it, they they just they're they're entertaining at the cost you know, of maybe some discipline uh, that can help them win, that can help them win certain games. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of where it is, but, uh, but a a good win for them. Um, You know, moving on to the other big game that happened over this weekend was Milan and Atalanta, uh, which ended up being a 1-1 draw. Leo, uh, what can you say? I mean, it's the, it's the goal of the week, but you know, I've ranted here, um, I, I rant like you do. I rant like Raf does. Okay, I ranted last week, and you know, because one of the things that makes me sick about the the fan base with me, especially with me on Twitter, most of them, they keep talking about having no identity, and I have to keep coming mm-hmm. back and saying, well, there is an identity. It's possession based, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I'll say it again: when they play, they're looking to get an advantage in the area where the ball is, and if they don't see that advantage, then they're changing the point of attack. And people will say, well, they rely on too much individuality. Well, how did that individuality get created? Okay. It got created because they built up on the right, saw that nothing was on. Atalanta had five players there. Milan had four players. It comes back to oddly, oddly, oddly chips it over to Teo. And then Teo finds Leal where Leal uses the individual. So they switch and they attack quickly to get the goal, which is what you want to do so that the other team can't recover and reorganize. And and Mm -hmm. it was a very, well-taken goal. I mean, I think that well, what Leo did individually was brilliant. It was the goal of the week. The What led up to it, you know, might have been a little bit underrated. I mean, and, and you know, of course you're going to switch to the left-hand side if you're Milan when they've got the when they've got the numbers and they've got the space. You give Teo and Leo that kind of space to play, forget it. Right. Um, so, uh, that's what I saw. And, and, and really, to Atalanta's credit, um, because I think, you know, you can say that Atalanta maybe played an element of murder ball in this game, but to Atalanta's credit, that was as a team, their only defensive mistake throughout the, throughout the game. And there was a couple of other chances that Milan had, but, but this is the one where Atalanta just didn't react and recover and got, and this is the one time they got punished for it throughout the 90 minutes. Yeah. They were able to hold firm defensively for the rest of the game. Uh, 
they, the, you know, uh, it was a different sort of approach by um, by Gasparini, though, as well, right? I mean, I, I didn't see the same Atalanta that I usually see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, th- I think they kind of, you know, uh, they didn't get a good game out of De Ketelar, which I thought he would come into the San Siro and just kind of show Milan up, you know, and, and say, yeah. hey, guys, this is what you're missing. But I think they were missing some stuff from him, you know, and 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 you know it was it it was a great goal by Leao, uh, you know, ex- exactly what he needed, I think, because he'd been kind of like I don't want to say on a slump, but like the past couple of games, I kind of saw him walking. Like I think it was against Monza, even like he yeah. he wasn't very you know you know prolific, and 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 I say that even though he's got so many like goal and assist contributions this season, uh, you know, he, I, I just do th- still think he needed that goal to, to, to score. And, and, and like you said, Teo and, and Leao on that left-hand side, when they're on, they're like unstoppable. And, yeah. uh, you know, there wasn't that much that Atalanta could do, but you know, like we said, they held firm. I think they did a great job defensively. I think they reacted, they reacted the way they, they should have, because you know, that early goal that you give up, you don't want to give up another one and then right. risk a loss, right? So, so, so for to say that Gasparini was playing for a draw, I think it's fair to take that approach when you get scored on so early against Milan because yeah. if you know these guys are clicking, they're going to keep going to that side. If they're clicking, you want to shut them down. And Pulisic has been really good lately too. Mm-hmm. So you know, if they switch over to the right, you got to stay compact. I think they did a good job at that. So uh, it was a pretty decent match. I watched most of it. I, I actually missed the layout goal in real time, which sucked. I turned it on <laughs> right. As, I turned it on right as Coop Miners was ready to take the penalty, and everyone's talking about controversy. And yeah. and uh, you know. I wouldn't have given the, I wouldn't have given the penalty. I was just going to ask you, what did you make of that? Because no, obviously, it, just about everybody is saying that that was a very poor decision. You, no, it was a bad one. You know, and listen, these refs make them. But with VAR, how do you make a bad bad call? I don't understand. Like, yeah. like, like, how did Orzato not go to VAR and 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 see that that was you know clearly not a foul? I don't know, man. It's just well, he didn't waste just, any time. He went to the monitor no and looked he, at it like within seconds. seconds he said, okay, it's a penalty. There's gone. contact yeah. and. No, it was no good. Uh, but you, you know, had listen, this, this contact stuff in the box. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. I think the referees need to take. You know, I here's a here's a good question for you. Do you think maybe that the VAR being so quick as of late even is a result of the 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 fact that in previous seasons it has ta- it had taken like minutes and minutes and like like there was one time a VAR took like eight minutes and and you think maybe they're trying to like kind of kind of lower that time and and speed speed things up a little and they're just making rash decisions if that's the case i'd rather them wait and get the call right you know that's what it's here for so i don't know i it just you know listen now i'm not saying atalanta deserve i think the game deserves to be end in a draw i think if the goal came from a different circumstance from atalanta then, yeah. then i'd be a lot happier but i feel like milan fans have a right to be a little like you know slated from yesterday yeah, so to answer your question, um, you know, I've never really taken stock into how much time the VAR decisions take, um, except for this one because it was so fast. Right. I mean, you know, you had the the, the the studio team at Paramount Plus and you had Christina Uncle all saying this wasn't a penalty. You had Mateo saying this wasn't a penalty, um, you know, and you had most people, uh, Michael Lisi and I were chatting about Michael's our resident referee here. Oh, we, been, I love Michael. 
Yeah, he <laughs> I love said, Michael. Yeah. And he said, no, not a penalty. No. Maybe an indirect kick for a dangerous play if you really want to nitpick, but um, you know, but who calls that anymore at the professional level? Um, so yeah, I've never I've never taken any stock. I guess I've always been one of those, as long as VAR gets it correct, you know, I don't care how much time they have to take. But in this one, it was just so rushed. You know, I may maybe they uh you know, uh, or Sato, because he's gotten starting to get a little, starting a little get a little gut on him as he as he runs. That's one so. thing I noticed. Yeah. He was he was running the camera. Yeah. That's what I said on Twitter. I said, my man here needs to lay out the Shuya Dell. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, he's uh, he's starting to go. Starting starting to get starting to get a little uh, starting to get a little fat and happy. I don't know if he's getting some extra money from UEFA and all that and spending it. Oh and, man. You know, doing a little more dining and a little less running. But, it's just um, it's a referee at the international level, too. You know, you, you know, you hate to see things like that. You know, calls missed by a referee that's highly regarded as he is. You know, and, and yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know, man. I, it just it doesn't. You know, and, and a lot of fans will say things like, "Oh, you know, um, uh, Milan got screwed. They're screwing Milan. They want Inter to win. They want this. They want that." Uh, you know the way that the way people cry about how they favor Juventus. I'm really not big on when it comes to refereeing. Like like I don't. I'm not big on those takes. I think I think mistakes are mistakes, but they're just too many. You yeah. know, and and that's just it. It's a mistake. Maybe like I said, it's the pressure of making VAR too long. I don't know. Uh, maybe they gave him the wrong angles and they wouldn't show him the other ones. And by the angle he saw, he saw a foul. I, I you know it just in. It, 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 you have to watch every angle before you make a decision, in my opinion. It's a match altering decision, you know. It's not yeah, like it is it's not like just some like, you know, hey, it's four nil, these guys have a penalty, is it a penalty? You know, like you got you gotta you gotta take some time and, and look at every angle the way it should be and, and that's that's my opinion on that. But like I said, the match itself I think the, the, it was well-deserved to be a draw. You know, Milan couldn't penetrate Atalanta. Atalanta held firm. Draw is a fair result, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the closest chances were probably uh, Calabria got through uh, and was yeah. a great save by Karnasecki, and then Pulisic had, had the one that uh, that just barely uh, trickled wide. Um, you know, yes. were, were probably the two yes. that stood out uh, that could have been winners for Milan, and I thought there was a chance there from Loftus-Cheek, maybe – half chance to score. Um, but I think again, to that credit, um, Atalanta just outnumbering the ball area. Uh, I think they took, they took away a lot of the easy chances. The only time that you saw Milan get something dangerous in the second half was when they were able to successfully switch quickly. And that's where it came with Calabria. And then Pulisic's chance came from making a run behind the defender on the opposite side. So those things were happening and they were on, uh, they just couldn't get anything of substance on target. And then I think that the other things that Atalanta that jumped out to me, Karnasecki, I thought you could argue that Karnasecki might have been the best player in this game. Um, yeah, his off-the-line judgment of balls and his claims, I, he was perfect in every decision he made. Um, and something you have to do when you got a guy like Giroud lurking in the penalty area who will, if you don't get it right, he's there to punish you with his head. Yeah, Karnasecki is one to watch out for. I think he's. Been, I agree. He's he's been a, a a a great keeper throughout. You know his career. I think he was with Cremonese, right? Was it was he was he with them? And, yeah, he was on loan there. On loan there. I, I remember paying paying a lot of attention to him. I 
Uh, it was also one of the uh, the youth uh, tournaments. I think it was maybe an under nineteen World Cup or Euro or something like that, where I really saw him and he stood out big time to me. And I was like, this is going to be a great keeper. And for Atalanta to pick him up to 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 step in there and 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 take care of some business is is really good business by them too. They yeah. they really know how to you know, pick some goalkeepers, don't they? Atalanta is a really well-run club, you know, and, and mm-hmm. um, he's done a magnificent job in, in net this season for them. And, uh, you know, I think he earns himself at least a look at, um, you know, maybe third keeper for the national team, you know, oh. for the Euro, who knows? There's some competition for second There's and third keepers yeah. right now. I mean, when you look at it, you look at, I mean, Merritt's still in the conversation. Vicario over at Spurs, Karnasecki, uh, Di Gregorio at Monza is having a fantastic season, just to name a just to name a few with, you know, as far as guys that are competing for the places behind Donnarumma. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Some some uh, some tough decisions for Spalletti to make. Sure. Uh, with the uh, remaining goalkeeper positions for the team he takes to the Euros. I, I argued that for these friendlies that are coming to the United States, are you going to any of them? I will be in the at the Red Bull one in in, in Jersey. Nice. Um, ec- uh, Italy, Ecuador. Yeah. Okay. I'll be there. Yeah. I did. Come see I me. Did. If you guys are there, come see me. I'm in section 105. We're going to do uh, tailgating too. It's the uh, Tri-State Napoli Club and the Tifosi Napoli Club New Jersey are, are um, uh, combining to do one big uh, tailgate. The two clubs are combining. So uh, get a hold of us. And, and, and that's uh, on the 24th, right? That is on the 24th, correct. Yeah, come okay. say hi. We're going to make sure that we start our 300th sometime after the Italy game so that we ah, can yeah, – we're, we're going to be on number 300, and we decided we're going to do it on the 24th, so we'll do it. So Richard, Richard's producing this, and Richard, we're going to have to do it sometime after that game. So yeah, Amazing Vincent is going to be at the game. Amazing Vincent's a big Roma fan. Um, nice. So uh, you guys get get together and get acquainted. Yeah, so yeah, sit down, people. Get together if you guys are going to that game in New York. Get to get you know, get together. Hit me up, man. Hit me yep. up on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days, and uh, uh, just come say hi. Tell me who you are. Tell me you're a fan of the show. Um, and yeah. Be fun to have a, a fan. Party. Be fun to diet, see a right? yeah. be, be fun to see a fan following. You got me tempted to ditch the three hundredth and now come out to New York and see you guys. Take so. <laughs> it, and let's go. <laughs> oh, that would be great, man! What a way oh, to celebrate oh. our our you know forty first and and forty eight forty ninth forty ninth. Don't remind me. <laughs> nah, I know. I know. The three hundredth hitting the road, Richard. We might. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> so I got to run that come one. Too. I got it. Gonna have to run that one past my CEO. Uh, did we lose? Did we lose Rafa? Did we lose Rafa? I'm here. Ah, oh, there you are. He's I back. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah know. guys, do do it on location. Do 300 on location. Why not? I'll help you guys out. Well, I gotta get the. I I I'm, I'm, I gotta get clearance from the missus. Yeah. My my chances of that. Are, my chances <laughs> of that are slim. My chances of that are slim to none, and Slim's probably on the way out. So. The my the misses for me is away that weekend. So oh, there you go. Good for when you. The, when the cat's away, right? Good for you. I should have asked for that for my birthday. Why don't I think of these things? <laughs> well, we got it. We, we got a family trip coming up in a few. You know, a couple there weeks after go. that. So there you go. So the money is being spent on that. But uh, but let's uh, break down the rest of match week twenty six, which will include uh, Napoli's result, which we'll get to. 
Uh, Bologna and Verona uh, played uh, a 2-0 win for Bologna. It was uh, Giovanni Fabian, everybody's favorite baby face these days. Um, and uh, Remo Freuler getting on the score sheet in that one. Um, Want to know why Sassuolo and Empoli are in the uh, relegation battle? Because neither of them can defend set pieces, and they also concede penalties. And all five goals, that's what that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, Luperto, a former Napoli guy, off a corner kick. Uh, Pinamonte with a penalty to make it 1-1. And then uh, Nyang with his third goal since joining Empoli, uh, scoring to make it 2-1. Sassuolo on a set piece, uh, Ferrari heading home, and then uh, Simone Bastoni putting in the winner on another set piece. So no goals in the run of play. Everything on stoppages, uh, you know, in this one. So uh, That's Nyang's two- third. I think it's his third penalty in a row. I yeah. think, yeah, yeah, he was a good pickup for my Fanta Calcio, by the way. So Here you go. Yeah, I've been starting him every weekend, and, and I, I'm on like a six-game win streak, and it's really, really fun to watch. Nice. Yeah, yeah, good nice. stuff. Good stuff. Um, we said last week that Salernitana confirmed the relegation by hiring Liverani to be their manager, and they lose 2-0 <laughs> to Monza. Uh, Daniel Maldini and Matteo Pastina each with goal of the week candidates. Uh, in that one. Uh, speaking of goal of the week candidates, Rategi again uh, with an overhead kick for Genoa uh, as part of a 2-0 win over Udinese. Mattia Bani uh, scoring the second goal in that game. Um, Juve and Frosinone. Gosh, Juve seems to like to make games interesting lately. Unbelievable. Uh, 3-2 winners there for uh, for the old lady. It was Vlaovic scoring first. Jadira scoring to make it 1-1, and then it was actually Frosinone who would take the lead through Brescianini, making it 2-1. Vlaovic would come back and and level the match uh, 2-2, and then uh, Rugani five holes the Frosinone goalkeeper you know, from just like the next to most impossible of angle, let alone having a center back score it. Uh, but that w- that's what gives Juve the win and the three points to still give them some sliver of hope to keep up with uh, Inter. Um, we move on to your Napoli heading to Cagliari. Um, welcome back, Victor Osimen, uh, scoring to make it 1-0. But at the death, it is uh, Zito Levumbo, uh scoring to make it 1-1 there. Uh, we had uh, Inter changing their team uh, extensively by their standards, traveling to Lecce, and it didn't matter, uh, 4-0. Latara Martinez with his 100th Inter goal. Um, you would not be blamed if you thought he had 200 by now. That's how often he scores. Uh, but I was even shocked to hear that that was his hundredth, only his hundredth goal for Inter. I could have sworn he had more by this time at this point. I think it's hundredth Serie A goal actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Davide Fratesi scoring, and then Lotaro getting 101 uh, a little later on off the counter attack, and then uh, Devrai for good measure scoring a fourth, uh, and then Roma three, Torino two, DiBala hat trick. Uh, Duban Zapata and Hoysen with the own goal toward the end to try to make things semi-interesting. But uh, it was Dybala's second goal from distance uh, that uh, is up there for goal of the week. Great hit there. Um, let's come back to your Napoli side. Um, do we have to? Sure. Well, as long as you're here, we always do this with our guests. If they support a team, we yeah. want to talk about their team a little bit. For and, sure. For sure. You know... You take a look at, you know, we take a look at the table. Um, the, the table looks probably, you know, they're sitting ninth around 37 points. It's going to take something significant to get themselves back into the conversation for getting back into the Champions League next season. 
Um, you know, we've kind of speculated where we think who should shoulder the blame in the large majority of it. We think it's ADL. Um, but I'm interested in getting your perspective. You're probably one of the most passionate Napoli supporters I know. Um, so it'd be good to just have, you can, ex- who, who gets the blame. If you want to vent a little bit, we're here for you. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a tissue box though, if that's okay. That's um, okay. I'll hold my tears. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've cried enough. Tears, You've cried enough. So, okay. So, so I'm going to give you the floor. What, what has, what has gone on in, in your estimation with this team that it has just not lived up to, you know, it certainly wasn't going to, it's going to be hard to reach the heights that they hit last year, but at least the reasonable expectations, you know, not being met. What, what's going on there and what do you, what do you attribute all that to? So uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to what happened with Napoli and at the at the very beginning it's it's Juntoli leaving for Juventus this was a well-known fact in uh the beginning of 2023 like I I truly firmly believe that once Juntoli told ADL that he was not willing to stay anywhere he wanted to go to Juventus he stopped kind of working. So yep. now what normally happens in Napoli when there's, uh, you know, moving parts like Kim Min-Jae, uh, you know, Lozano, um, players that want to leave, they usually make it known that they're trying to go, right? Right mm-hmm. around like the winter Mercato. And what ADL tends to do is he'll go looking for the next, you know, whatever place he needs to, to replace, right? Well, Napoli were so deep, Im- deeply immersed in the Scudetto, like the lead up to the Scudetto, that in my opinion, the usual happenings at Napoli were not happening because we don't normally win a Scudetto. Frank, we're the first team since Lazio in 2001 to mm-hmm. win a Scudetto besides Milan, Inter, and Juventus. Like, yeah. You know, we're, it's our first in 33 years. It's our first under ADL. So this is, to me, incredibly uncharted ter- territory for Napoli, for ADL. Normally, like I said, he'll have like a plan going forward. You know, Spalletti was introduced right away after Gattuso was fired. Uh, um, Ancelotti was introduced right away after Sadi was let go. You know, um, um, we have a director of sport come in and do his thing all the time. And I just feel like like none of that stuff happened. And, you know, it, 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 it's a little sad because we've shown that we don't know how to defend the Scudetto. And it's, it's okay because, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected us to repeat, but they definitely sh- should have expected us to finish second, third, you know, compete with the players that we kept. Um, and then Spalletti hit him with the hammer and said, you know, I don't accept this renewal that you automatically, you know, imposed. And um, I want to leave. I want to take a year off. And he made it his intentions very well known that he wanted to join the national team once that position became available because some a little birdie told him that Mancini wasn't going to last after the Euro. The, the general consensus was even though he had a contract until 26 mm-hmm. that Mancini doesn't win the Euro, he may be sacked. So the plan was for Spalletti to take the year off, wait to see Italy crash out of the Euro and then take that job. 
Mm-hmm. What happened was Mancini got Mancini quit way too early. Yeah, and the for the Saudi Arabia job. Available for the Saudi Arabia job. And now here's the job that's available. And can you blame Spalletti for wanting to take that job? He was no. still on payroll with Napoli. He managed to get out of that with, with ADL. Everything was amicable, fine. But the the ADL did not have a, 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 a competent enough director of sport to go ahead and try to find the next manager, the next Kim Min-Jae. You know, uh, um, I, I I feel like that's where the blame lies. Is it, 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 First of all, for me, Rudy Garcia was the worst appointment of any of the managers that we were after. He was the worst. He never once mentioned Spalletti's name when he was talking about how last season's... He even said, I haven't seen a minute of last season's Napoli. Right away, that's a red flag in my opinion. And I don't know why ADL hasn't like like didn't like like before his uh um unveiling, you know, figure that out. Like that to yeah. me just it just was it's been a really rough rough uh uh time laying blame in, in one certain spot, but at, but at the, it has to start at the top. And I'm the biggest ADL fan. I'm I, I I believe he's good for this team still, even though a lot yeah. of people don't. And a lot of people call me out on that, that, especially on Twitter. They like to say that I'm too much of a fanboy. I, I bleed for ADL. I don't really care about Napoli. It's ADL, 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 which is, is absolutely furthest from the truth. I will give blame where it, it, it is due. And yeah. for this season alone, ADL takes the blame. And... I'm not saying ADL is the reason Politano missed his shot yesterday. I'm not saying ADL is the reason Juan Jesus fumbled the that ball f- from you know that that um, um, Dosena sent up to Lovumbo. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that ADL is the guy who who you know he he doesn't control the players on the pitch. The the players on the pitch are the same players who won the Scudetto last season. What happened also was Rudy Garcia really screwed this team's mentality up. Uh, uh, so bad that Mazzari couldn't get it back. Plus, Mazzari doesn't really play a four-three-three. He's he's more of a three-man back line, and yeah. just it was all of that combined. Plus, Aussieman was injured and then out for Afcon, and Kvada's being figured out without Aussieman. Double, triple teamed. A lot of players gone cold. Zielinski with his contract, Politano with his contract, and Medet was injured. You know, uh, um, Golini did a really well, really good job in his place. Natan isn't experienced enough. Rachmani can't hang with Natan. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of, a lot of things happen with this team this season, and a lot of us just kind of are waiting for it to be finished so that we can move on. But the thing sure. is, is that the, uh, there is a general consensus out there that ADL has now set us back five to ten years. When has ADL ever set Napoli back five to ten yeah, years? That's if ridiculous. Napoli do have, if Napoli do have a bad season, even you know, even though this is the worst season under ADL almost officially, it really is one of them. Yeah, um, it's definitely one of the worst title defenses. I mean, I think. I think it's up there with the 96-97 Milan, who were six points from relegation. Mm-hmm. But um, but 
there's still time. There's still time to turn it around. You bring in Calzona now, who's and I wasn't really a big fan of of making this change. I don't like the fact that he's doing double duty with Ukraine. I don't like the fact that you know we had to change managers again to try to you know De Lorenzo looks fed up with it. He looks tired. He's not playing as good, you know. And and I, I think right now we just kind of want to ride this season out, um, and. I don't really know what to what to predict. I, all I know is we better beat Sassuolo tomorrow. That's for sure. That's you're for jabbing sure. you're jabbing me with that ninety six ninety seven Milan team. By the way, when it wasn't on we purpose, from, I've been bringing from, it up everywhere. <laughs> we went from Capello to Oscar Tabatas, who I, you know, and Tabatas went on and had a good run as Uruguay manager. Sure, um, sure. but you know, it was just not a good fit. They recycle Saki. Um. Roberto Baggio publicly horrified by the hire. He was still with Milan at the time and true to form, you know, and 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 Milan crashed out of the Champions League at the group stage that season to Rosenborg. Right. Um <clears throat> so, you know, that that was that was as disastrous. At least, you know, Milan Milan fans will tell you that too. Now, as far as De Laurentiis, I mean, what I think most Napoli fans should appreciate here is that you get to dog De Laurentiis for the season because De Laurentiis is the centerpiece of why Napoli are here in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you can, but owners will make bad judgments. I just told Berlusconi with hiring Tabarez, uh, you know, it wasn't a good fit. He brought in Fatih Tarim. I think Fatih Tarim was the manager that he brought in before Ancelotti came in. Um, you know, so and, and Tarim didn't work out. Tarim's a good manager. He, mm-hmm. he he had some success at Turkey. He's had some su- success at other clubs. Just didn't work out at Milan. Um, you know, the, the banter era was that, as we call it, were were a series of things. You know, De Laurentiis, De Laurentiis is the guy that's made all the mistakes. True, but De Laurentiis is probably the guy that can figure this out and fix it. So, right. Calzone is probably not finishing. Or, Calzone is not. I, Likely not going to be Napoli manager next season beyond no, this. I don't think so. Who do you who do you see as the reasonable manager that comes in and helps to clean this up? Uh, well, for a while, you know, I really wanted to. I was really hoping to see Italiano come in. Yeah, but but at the same time, like I just mentioned earlier, I see holes in his game. I I do. I don't know if it's the players that he has. I don't know if it's him kind of bottling things every now and then. You know, they're such a great team that, you know, they show glimpses of really, like, brilliance, right? They, they, they did well in Europe, like I said. But then they're always finishing around, like, 10th to 7th, you know? And and, and I don't know if that's, you know, uh, who I want in our, in, our, in our camp. Who I really think... I wanted Tiago Mota. I think Tiago Mota for me was the perfect guy. Now that his agent has come out and said that he doesn't want to work for De Laurentiis, all of a sudden his agent's word is gospel. Now no manager wants to work for De Laurentiis. I don't believe that. But I'll tell you what, I've heard Paladino's name run around. I think it's fun to think about Paladino. He's 39. He's done really, really well with a Monza team that just – you know, they're a good team because of him, I think. The players, uh, you know, the players could be better. 
but but uh, I think with a better team, he could do something. He's Neapolitan. He's young. He's got a good you know system. He plays really exciting football, free flowing, attacking. He lets the players do his job. But you know what? You know a name that I didn't really think of until earlier today. I think Ivan Yurich would really come in and do a good job at Napoli. I think he could. I think he could really get these players motivated. I think any team he goes to, they kind of they kind of like like elevate themselves. And mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm a I'm not a huge fan of his. I, I know there was a lot of uh, I think there was some sort of a racist comment that was made a couple years yeah. back, which I'm never a fan of. But 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 if we can get past that and and just see him for his footballing, um, you know I mean he's still a manager in the league, so you know obviously I don't know I don't even remember the details. I just remembered correlating the Yurich and that. Yeah. But but if 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 he can if he can become available, I'd like to see him manage the team and see what he can do. Yeah. Um, it, it you know because because on the youth specter, like on the young young side of things it's paladino for me but then with some more more uh um um experience and age and and like you know you know no, someone that knows the league how to coach in the league a little more i'd go with Yurich, and i think either one of those two would be really really great and i don't think that the thing with Yurich is i think he's a very good manager too i think he's at he's just at places that the nature of those places just have hard ceilings. I thought he was really good at Genoa. I thought he was really right. good at Hellas Verona. Now he's, I right. think he's really good at Torino. Sure. Um, these are the positions that when you op, these are, the, he's got those teams in the positions that when you optimize the talent that's at your disposal, the results are acceptable. Like the results mm-hmm. that ter- what Torino's doing is acceptable to me sure. with right. what they've got available. I never, I, I, I look at the top of this league and I don't see, who Torino takes out, you know, um, you know, they're, 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 they're exactly where they need to be. They're not, you know, they're not giving places in the table away to teams that, that are inferior to them, but they're, you know, at the same time, you know, they, they give the, they give the teams better than them a game. Um, you know, if they don't come away winning, they at least give them a performance and they give them a game. It would be that he'd be the, he'd be a manager that I would certainly be interested in seeing, what it would look like when he's got a squad of players uh, that are elevated in talent. Um, I, I, I'm going. I'm going to comment on something that Vincent said that that Richard must have put on the screen there. Uh, so many, yeah. Thank you, Richard. So many. To- I hope he's feeling better. By the way, so many top teams are going to be looking for new coaches this summer. So now they need to act quickly, or else they could end up with another mediocre coach. So uh, this applies to what I said before. Normally, Napoli and ADL have their managers set by like April. Like, like, like we don't know because, it, it, you know, the the rum the name starts coming out right. Like Spalletti was rumored to be with Napoli right around right around March April. Stay, you know, Ancelotti was 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 someone that was announced right away. Once again, like I said, when Napoli are 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 backs against the wall or a failing season, and when I say failing, I mean like ninety one points, no scudetto, you know, second place, third place, like when there's not the distra- distraction of this scudetto, mm-hmm. ADL tends to make his moves. I mean, he's been saying we're on the hunt for a new manager, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we've got one locked up by like March, but we don't like you know announce it right away we will announce it like you know after the season or what have you 
so so in that regard, Vincent, I really believe that ADL knows how to do that because um, he's done it before. Uh, the reason why we had such a, a struggle getting a manager in this season is because ADL was under the impression Spalletti was staying. It was right after we clinched yeah. the Scudetto where he said, hey, I don't want to honor this. You know, it's a little bit of both, you know, the blame lies both sides. You know, Spalletti could have said, listen, I'll honor this and then, you know, go go manage, you know, uh, the, the option. ADL had every right as the owner of Napoli and the owner of the contract to extend that 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 contract. That, that was that third option that was that was, um, you know, th that he he had applied a ADL. Uh, Spalletti just wasn't happy with that, like, and so they had to come to a mutual agreement. Now he's got to scramble to find a manager who's going to live up to Spalletti's name. And you know, I think with time given, ADL can definitely um, uh, make the right moves. Yeah. So, so we'll see a good manager in, in Napoli next season. I, I I, I'm with you, and I think I, I think Napoli is still an attractive seat. You know, when when you consider it, you know, I mean, he. It, he, he you look at you look at some of the players that they've bought. They've bought smart. They've spent to get guys. You know, it's 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 a range of players that they bring in. So you have an owner that's going to back you and is going to get the players to help you fit. You know, the way you want to go about doing things too. So he's proven that. And he's proven that ever since he's taken over Napoli. So and really quickly, like like Napoli don't make the Champions League this season. Right. Okay. That top four or five, whatever it is this season, it is always a goal for Del Arantis because of the Champions League money. But mm -hmm. if we don't make the Champions League, we're going to sell Victor Ossiman. That's happening. It's yeah. 132 million euro that should be coming Napoli's way. That's double the Champions League money that we would make if we qualified. So, so it's not the end of the world. We're going to sell Ossiman. We're going to reinvest into the club. And then. But next season or in the next season or two, we got Quadrascalia that we're going to sell. So, mm -hmm. so could you imagine, Frank, if we sold Ossiman and Quadrascalia? Like, I, I heard a couple of other, you know, outlets say things like, "Oh, Napoli are at risk of losing both Ossiman and Quadrascalia in the same summer. How disastrous would that be?" Uh, that's about 250 mil coming into Napoli. I don't see yeah. that as a disaster at all. I see that as an opportunity to. Yeah really revamp build the the centro sportivo they need to build you know um because they're leaving where they are in the next two seasons they have to they have to leave um and get the right players in to to you know rebuild and it's happened before where Napoli don't make the Champions League but then in the next season they come back and make the Champions League we sold Cavani we got in Iguain, Mertens, Callejon, Albiol you know Eventually, Koulibaly. We sold Higuain. We got Zielinski, Alan, Jorginho. You know, you know, we, we were able to make these moves and progress every single time. So, what makes you think that by selling Osimhen, missing out on the Champions League this season, that we're a finished club, that we're set back five to ten years? That's just yeah. not how Napoli operates. It's he has just, a track not. record for just pumping the money right back into the team that he gets. Absolutely you know, for the sales. <laughs> But but some people out there won't 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 feel that way because they didn't make this big splashy signing. They'll yeah. feel that he's always pocketing the money. And listen, it's this is a business. You you're going to take some of that money, and that's your money. You know, like 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 it's a business. This is how it is. 
but you obviously have to sustain the club and there are guidelines to do it. So he he's going to be back. I'm telling you guys, Napoli's not finished. They're not. They they may not make the Champions League this season. They have to beat Sassuolo. They can't draw. They can't lose. If they beat Sassuolo and Inter beat Atalanta tomorrow, there's still a chance because we'd be six points back from fifth place. There's still mm-hmm. a chance, but it yeah. has to happen tomorrow. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, Conference League. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I, Which is I'll fine because it keeps of... the, it keeps the European streak going. So so I'm fine with it. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, you know, you, you still lost him, and I can I can think of a few players that I would be eyeing up. You know that that I think would be given the structure of this Napoli team. Um, you know, not guys in set, not guys in Serie A necessarily, but you know, addressing defender would be important. Yeah. A guy like uh, uh, David Hansko over at Feyenoord, I think, would pop right into Napoli and fit perfectly. Yes. Um, with his skill set. Um, I don't know what kind of money he's going to command and what it's going to take to get him. Um, he's probably going to get the attention of some other big clubs here as, as this thing goes on. I think he's a Czech Republic international. He's a Czech Republic or he's Slovakian, and then he's he's with he's with Feyenoord now. Um, and then if you look at the striker position, and I think that's the other thing you guys are going to have to address, is is it just going to be can you get away with a trade-off? If you sell Alciman, can you get away with a trade-off between – uh, Cholito and and Raspadori, or do you have to go buy another striker? That's that's going to be another question that'll be interesting. I, I like think... Ngonja. I think Ngonja is sorry. I think I think Ngonja landed at the, at the perfect place for his further development. Loved him at Verona from the second he he stepped on the pitch there last year. Um, but you know, do you think you get by with Simeone and Raspadori taking turns or? Or if you sell Osimhen, do you feel the striker has to be a priority as well? I think striker has to be a priority. Okay. Here's the thing, right? Napoli did not replace Kim and Jay well. They got Natan, who I really do rate. I think that he will be. He's like Koulibaly when Koulibaly first came in. He wasn't fantastic when he first came in. His first two seasons were actually kind of abysmal. He, it wasn't until you know Benitez left and Sadi started playing a little more defense, and we we got we got a little bit better. He got a little bit better, 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 and he was next thing you know he's the top three defender in the world. I think Natan has those qualities, and, and glimpses of them have come in. When we lost Kulibali, we replaced with Kim, and I don't think anyone thought that he would replace him well, but he did even better than Kulibali in winning yeah. the Scudetto, becoming defender of the season. One year it took. Unfortunately, a, tra- a release clause came with him, and, and we lost him. So it was that was another thing we had to do was replace that position, and we didn't really do it well. I would have been happy with Natan and maybe say a Milenkovic or a Dosena or or someone that knows the league that can service the team, you know. Um, and uh, I think if we make that mistake in not replacing Aussie men, the fans will just capitulate i i think that's a big thing to do i think you can't lose a guy like Rossiman and not replace however i had joked and said that there's the replacement right there it's in Gonj because i feel like he's played centrally for verona before and he scores a ton of goals i yeah. think he can do it so but but i'm not no i'm not very confident in simeone raspadori trade-off as a matter of fact i think simeone is gonna go next um 
he hasn't really been very good this season. And it's sad because I really like the guy a lot. Like, I loved his passion last season. I love his his fight. Even this season, he still posts about Napoli being in love with it and this and that. But it's clear that he wants to play more, and I think he deserves that. So I think he's going to go. But I think Raspadori is going to be a backup to whoever comes in. And yeah. honestly, I like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing Ngon play in the center there, you know. And and um, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, I think it's very very important that we replace we replace Osimhen just for the aesthetics, you know, just for the sure. you know, hey, listen, we took this money, we got this guy, Xerxes would be great, would yeah. be fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah Xerxes going to be really really sought after as well too. So it's going to sure. be it's going to be but very. We're going to have to spend some money, and and that's the way it is, you, you know. And and again, we're going to be afforded this luxury when we sell Osimhen. And I'm, 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 I'm admiring Feyenoord here by accident, but Santi Jimenez might be another striker that would. That's another one. Yes, would make a lot of sense. Yes, if if not Xerxes, it's not actually. It's funny. There were five or so linked, you know, names that were popping up for replacements for Osimhen, and two of them were Xerxes and Santi, and I. And and someone said you have to pick two, and those are the two I picked. Santi Jimenez for Feyenoord is just you know a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic player, and we pay attention to him a lot at the barbershop because Gil is a Mexican fan who you know we we followed Santi, so whenever Feyenoord's playing, we'll watch, you know, uh, you know, and and I think he's I think he fits right in actually. Xerxes would be a good option if we're playing more of like a false nine role. But but as far as like an out and out striker, I think Santi is the guy. To be honest with you. Well, let's get to the team who seems to be ready to succeed, Napoli and the Scudetto, and that's Inter. Yes. I think the thing that I want you know, and, and, and some of this is kind of piggybacking my rant last week <clears throat> about the Pioli out crowd. You know, a lot of disappointment that Inter is. You know, and I saw somebody complaining that Inter's thirteen points better than Milan. Uh, right now with a game in hand. Nobody is talking about, until now, where this inter-team is in a historical context right now, through the first 25 games. So I'm going to reveal it right now. Through 25 games, Inter have played 25. They've won 21, they've drawn three, and lost one. That is one point better than last year's last year's Napoli. Um, and that is only matched or bettered by five other teams in the last 95 years. Okay? I mean, nobody's nobody's talking about it's It's, it's astonishing that nobody's talking about this and some of this, because I wanted to say that I made the comment last week, said, Eagle play at the Masters, and you play that weekend, and you shoot 13 under par, you're, you're taking home that green jacket many, 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 many times. You know, right. except for that one time that that one guy might come out and shoot 16 mm-hmm. under par. You know, and it's just like you say, hey, hats off. You were amazing this year. And I think I I respect the league. I respect the quality of the league. I'm a Milan fan. And when, when we have the Derby della Madonnina, I am going to rip on every Inter fan. Eduardo, I don't like you when we play each other. Okay? But I also have a lot of respect for what the teams do when they're successful. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have a jealousy towards them. And when I'm watching this Inter team, I'm watching something that's damn near history. There's only four other teams that have gotten off to this start. And there's only one other team that's been better than that. 
Okay, the Juve from 2018-2019 had yes. 22 wins, three draws. Yes. Three points better than this. Yes. But to take this further, okay, um, so 2018-19 Juve, 22 wins, three draws. The 21-3-1 and crowd, 23-24 Inter. This season's Inter has a goal difference of 51. That is the best of those five teams. Okay, 2013-14 Juve. Uh, Saudi's Napoli that got off to this start and had a 40 goal difference. And then 05, 06 Juve, the team that got sent down. Uh, and then 06, 07 Inter um, also got off to this start. I mean, only five other teams had this. So if you're an unreasonable fan saying, well, we, you know, Pioli should be out because he can't match what Inter's doing. Well, <laughs> you know, there's only five other teams that match or did better than what Inter's doing right now. Well, that's um, uh, and that's like that's like Napoli fans, you know, being that upset. Like, listen, this was a colossal, this was a colossal breakdown, right? Like, we're not. Let's not kid ourselves. Napoli are terrible this season, and and nobody would have nobody would have ever dreamed that this would be it. But how can you follow what we did last season? I know we dropped off a little bit, but but like you said, by this time in the twenty fifth game, we were we were on a historic run as well. I'm not saying Inter are going to drop the points that Napoli ended up dropping. You know, we lost three more games. We tied, I think, another another two or three games. But but we were on also on par for like a historic run. Uh, you know, and and um, there's there's not a lot of teams that can do that in history, right? I mean, what Spalletti's Napoli did it was never going to be replicated this season, and I can guarantee you what Inter do next season will never be replicated by this season. It's always a hard won't. act to follow. It, it, it is. It is. And and uh, the thing with Inter is, though, and I don't think that this is a, a quality of the league issue. I just don't think that they're going to drop any points, man. Like, I, I really don't. I think they're going to go on that historic run and, and, and challenge for the 102 points that Juve did. Uh, when, when was it? What season? One of the... One of the first few seasons they won the Scudetto, the the run of, run of their Scudetto. Uh, they they're on they're on a they're on an absolute tear, and I don't see them slowing down at all. Yeah. Um, to give you some more historical sp- perspective, uh, none of Saki's Milan teams cracked the top fifty in starts over the first in, in over the first twenty five games. Wow. Um, one of Lippi's Juve team, the ninety four ninety five team. And they had the 31st best start. Um, you know, as you're just kind of going through this list, um, you know, there is the 99-2000 Juve team is, you know, is checking in there. You, your Napoli team from 18-19 was, <laughs> I mean, you look at you look at your 2018-2019 Napoli team. Was it the same 18, season that Juve got off to the 22-win, three-draw start? Yes. You guys were 17 wins, five draws, three losses. You would think you're yes. top of the table with that kind of yes. form. Yes, you know? yes. We, we, we got a raw deal. That, it was a, that was Ancelotti's first season, right? Yeah. Where where it was Juve, Napoli. Juve were so far ahead of Napoli, but then Napoli were so far ahead of the rest. So it was like one – the distance between one and two, I think, were like 10 points. The distance between two and three were like another 10 points. And then it was just for three, four, or five, you know? Yeah. It, was, it was it was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. This will be a hard act to follow next year for Inter. Napoli, obviously, it was a hard act to follow for them this year. I mean, the, the, uh, the if you want to look for a dominant 
two-year run, you got to, I mean, there have been some good ones, but you have to go all the way back to the Milan from 1949 to 1951 when they had the Swedish trio. Uh-huh. In those two years, okay, their first 25 games, their first 25 games in 49-50 and their first 25 games in 50-51 combined goal difference plus 103. That's um, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, they slaughtered teams. Um, the Inter's goal difference is plus 51. Mm-hmm. That's tied with the 1950-51 Milan. And there's only three teams in the last 95 years that have goal differences better than that through 25 games. Uh, the 49-50 Milan team plus 52. Gran Torino 47-48 was plus 52. And then a really good Fiorentina team that I think in that era reached the Champions Cup final in 58-59 was plus 55. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about history here, people. And then one more staggering stat. Inter have only conceded 12 goals through 25 games. Only the 88-89 Inter team has conceded that few through the first 25 in 95 in the, in in 95 years. So there's <laughs> and I think it's just I think the biggest reason that all of this is flying under the radar and nobody is really talking about it is because I think we all just looked at Inter, looked at the continuity that they were coming into the season with and said, "Yeah, you're probably going to win this Scudetto." Mhm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they really went on Because you look at their Serie A stats from last season. They lost 12 matches in Serie A. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they had no business, you know, being anywhere near the top uh, this season, uh, I thought. I, I Honestly, you know, and, and you know, you, you got to use the Beppe Marotta factor, too. Like, like, like uh, you, you kind of forget about things. You know, I was so wrapped up in the Napoli Scudetto. I was so wrapped up in how... We're starting a dynasty, right? Uh, Inter lost 12 matches last season, and they're back at it in this unstoppable form, right? Um, so who's to say it can't happen to anyone, right? Like, like who's to say, you know, someone doesn't come in and, and revamp Roma and they do the same thing next season? Sure. Uh, you know, it, it really does show you, like, like, like how how things can change in a season. Uh, but but last season when Inter, I, I feel like I remember when they kind of turned the switch on, was when um, when they were able to qualify for the semifinal against Porto, and then uh, was it Porto that they or was it Benfica? Oh no, they they played Benfica in the quarterfinal. Benfica, yes. Uh, when they were able to make it to the semifinal, and then from that moment they kind of went on this tear and said, yeah, I mean we were able to beat them three one at the Maradona. But other than that match, they were kind of unstoppable. Uh, beating Lazio, who were in second, you know, that would, it, it just, it, their run to the final, you know, it really kind of started then, last season, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, yeah, this team, is, but they are also very exciting to watch. Like, like, I can't even hate on it, you know, it really, you know, you, you, you can't Simone, help it. You can't help but respect you them. You can't help it. Simone Inzaghi was like this close out the door last season. Mm-hmm. And look what look what they've done. Look what they have done. And and it's a collective. It really is a collective from top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, they brought in, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, um, Turam. And they brought in, you know, uh, Summer. And, uh, you know, just... 
the players that they brought in it has worked. It has all worked out. And yeah. you even got guys that are like, you know, Acerbi and 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 um Darmian scoring goals left and right. Like 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 playing really well. You know, the midfield is one of the best midfields I've ever seen. Honestly, I thought Napoli's yeah. midfield was last year was like this incredible midfield. This midfield five is just completely, completely killing it. And you're going to add Zielinski to it possibly next season yep. too. I, I just, I don't see them stopping this season, maybe even beyond. And I, I'm going to say it. I think they can win the Champions League. I think if you bet Inter before the 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 round of 16 began at plus, I think it was a plus 2,300 to win the Champions League, which for me is absurd odds. Yeah, you're gonna make a lot of good money this season because I think they're gonna win the cha- yes, Rafael. I think they're gonna win the Champions League this season. I do, I do. I think I, they're. I, I rate them higher than a lot of people are rating them. I've heard ESPN and I've heard you know a couple guys on CBS say things like they may be the third or fourth best team in Europe. I think they are the best team in Europe, and I think they're gonna win it. I think that Real Madrid will give them all kinds of problems. Um, but I think they can resist them. Um, Manchester City starting to get a little bit better now that KDB is healthy. Yeah, I, I see those two maybe be the only two that those two in Inter I think would be the three teams I'm looking at right now as the realistic threats to to win the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, and amazing, Vince. I don't know if Inter can beat Madrid or City over two legs. That's just the that's just the issue at hand. You know. Does their talent ultimately win out over the over the team game? You know, you talked about their midfield. I mean, I think Inzaghi just <laughs> look at what he's accomplished. But you can just give him praise alone for what he's done to Chalanolu and taking yeah. the chance on making him a more deep lying playmaker. Uh, that pass against Juventus, I, it deserved a goal at the end. It didn't get one, um, but um, everybody's Mkhitaryan. Pra- Mkhitaryan as well. Mkhitaryan. Yeah. Who would have thought? I mean, but when you look at how Inter is set up and the way they play, it's perfect for Mkhitaryan because Mkhitaryan has just made his living. You know, Mkhitaryan, you're never going to call a world-class player. But what is he one of the best players in the world at? He is one of the best players in the world at getting into the spaces that the forwards leave behind and scoring goals from there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is a... Brilliant counterattacking midfielder. I would say, I would probably, I would argue one of when it's all said and done, when he's done playing, I'd easily put him one of the five best counterattacking midfield players that we've seen. Okay, yeah. I mean that just that one function. I'm not saying that he's going to be in this top ten of all time list or anything like that. But no, when, when you, you want to break just, down the functions, yeah, yeah, yeah for, sure, ex- for sure, exactly. So, I mean, you know. Be angry about your team not winning as much. That's fine. But, you know, to put yourself next to an Inter that's on the brink of history um, is is really, really a challenge. Now, yeah. the one thing that I will say, we've seen these runs just as the season one goes on. We'll just slow down, and it's going to slow down because they're so far ahead of everybody else that they don't need to play everybody, and other things will take priority. So... The mark is 102, which the 2013-14 Juventus team set. I don't think they reach it. Ooh, uh, okay. 
I I don't because right now it would it, they would only they would have to win in order for them to break it they have to completely win out. Um, Juve was thirty three played played thirty eight won thirty three drew three lost two and Inter have already drawn three and lost one. I think there's another loss coming down the road because they're going to rest guys for a big Champions League game or they're going to draw a couple of games. They're going to drop enough points where they may not catch Juve, uh, that, that, that Juve team. Now, that's 102. 100 can still happen. Yeah. You know, I, I would say there's a chance of them being in the 99-100 range before the season is over with. But in order to break what Juve did in 2013-2014, they're going to have to completely win every game the rest of the way. I don't think they'll do that. So it's either they it's either they rest players for a big game in Europe um, coming up, or they clinch it too early and then uh, decide to rest players because they've clinched it, like Napoli did, right? I mean, there was a drop. There was a drop in 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 form uh, uh, last season uh, when when it wasn't wrapped up quite just yet, but it was really kind of like coming down to it. And I think mm-hmm. Napoli just kind of they they lost their heads a little bit. Uh, the four nil at home to Milan, the loss to um, I think who was it that they lost to uh, after that? It was uh, Milan. They lost to Milan Inter. They lost to Monza when it was wrapped up. But there was another yeah. loss in there somewhere. And 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 I I can see I because I I don't know I don't think Juve is is going to or Milan are going to be naked like keeping it close with Inter like 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 the fact that Juve needed a last minute uh, a, a corner kick to score from, from yeah. From uh, from the center back um, that's escaping me, I forgot who it was. Uh, Rugani, um, Rugani, you know, yep. and and, and Fran- uh, the Di Francesco made a defensive substitution on a on a corner kick to end the game. In my opinion, was the worst move he could have made, and and that could have still been two two. But that they're they're winning that match kind of kept them sort of at pace with Inter. You know, not, not that much, but. But yeah. if Inter win their game tomorrow, and then they, I could just see them going, you know, clinching as early as Napoli clinched last season, then they then they'll start resting players. And I, I, you know, like I said, Napoli lost to Monza after the that was 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 clinched, and and you know the draw with Salernitana, but right before they clinched, and then the draw to clinch the Scudetto. Like like we dropped a lot of games last season late, so um, you know it, it's it's. That's another reason why Inter might not break this. Like you said, they they need to lose one more game just to tie the record. So um, it, it is likely that they won't. But you, but you know, the the thing is, is that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Right. This is still history when you're looking at it. Like like I, I still, even though Napoli last season only had ninety points, the ninety one point Sadi season didn't lead to a Scudetto. So it's kind of like wiped out. Like it's kind of offsets each other, right? This, this team, whether they hit 90 points or whether they hit 102 or 103 or 104, five points, um, this team is still history, no matter how you look at it. In my Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what they've done in the first, like we said, what they've done in the first 25 games this season only is only bettered by one other team in 95 years. I mean, um, it's, it's just astonishing. Now I just, I have to, because, because the, the chat's now being pricks, 
they're they're first of all they're admiring all your your hair and that you can wake up hey. like that and now lizzie's got to talk shit about my hairline okay i've got I'm, I'm eight years older than rafa okay that is true he is. my hair i my my hair looked like that <laughs> when i was 40 41 okay so oh, that's good thanks maybe for not that. exactly I, like that it was I'm thick looking enough. forward yeah it was wasn't it yeah Guys, I I, I tell you now what, you all I, know why. And I will now you all know why I wear a hat most of the time on this podcast. <laughs> I I I uh, I knew at some point I'd be back on the show, so I had to cut my hair for for, for that. And I, I couldn't come on with these flowing locks to to, 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 to you know. I mean, Richard, Richard though, Richard's got himself a nice little head of hair too, doesn't he? Yeah, um, he's you know he 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 can uh, he he gets the. Uh, you know, he, he. I think they have a uh, somewhere in Gelsenkirchen, Germany. There's a uh, Kevin Karani lookalike contest every year, and I think he goes out for that. So, so he grows his How, hair out just for that reason. How's his Shock America pod going? Is he still running that thing? <laughs> uh, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, good. Painfully. I'm happy he is. I'm happy. Actually, funny, funny. We, uh, I cut a guy's hair at the shop who's a very big Bayern Munich fan. And, you know, we were looking into seeing when the last time Bayern did not win a, a trophy. And it turns out it was a season that Schalke won the the Colt, the, the Pokal. And, and yeah. then, so my son is checking for me. He was hanging out with us at the shop. And he goes, Dad, do you know Schalke's in the third division now? And I said, yeah. And then I was telling my friend about Richard's podcast. And I said, ah, I wonder if he's still running that thing there in the third division. I'm very yeah. happy he is. That's good. Yeah. That's 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 uh, dedication right there, man. Yeah, Schalke still has a solid following. So yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard chopped his hair after he he lost this year's uh, Kevin Karani lookalike contest. So got you, um, got you. He'll, he'll, I had he'll, to do he'll... it. It was it was it was getting too much to me for me. Yeah. It really was. Uh, you know, every day falling <laughs> out in in the mouth, uh, on the chain, in bed, sweating and. I just it just got to be too much. Four years is a good run. I can say I've done it. Yeah, I've always wanted to do it. I still have beautiful hair, no matter what. It doesn't matter. So yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So great job, great job. Thanks, Chad. Having fun at my expense. So, but anyway, uh, there. Uh, yeah. is actually in the second division. Se- oh, okay, division. second division. Not Why in the third division. Player? All right. Yeah. I, I, then, then I'm sorry. I apologize to all the Schalke. Just from the private that. chat, Richard said, not in the third division yet, damn it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe it's coming. Uh, you know, so from the top now to the bottom, looking at this Oof. relegation dogfight, and it's uh, it's astonishing because we're sitting here looking at, at, at of all teams, Sassuolo. Uh, now sitting in 18th, Calgary 19th. I think Salernitana is as good as done, yeah. which is which is crazy, you know, because I think that Salernitana, the the talent to points ratio is severely disappointing, yeah. um, because they have players. I mean, Candreva has been around for a long, long time. Bulaidia. Should be starting every match, doesn't for some reason. Ochoa is still a respectable goalkeeper. They try to bring in Boateng and Manolas to try to try to fix the defensive issues. Those, are, you know, at least with Salernitana under people in Zaghi, he had a grueling run of games to to go through. Sure, and he had a stretch of just dropping points in the 89th, 90th, 91st, 92nd minutes that. 
you know, if they hold on to those points, they're they're close to being out. They're clo- they're right around 17th, and it's just the fine details that you got to pay attention to, and you've got to be able to to overcome and get through to to survive, you know, and stay in this league. And Salernitana is is clearly not done that. And now they bring in Leverani, and and Leverani with Leverani, you just I remember his Lecce team. You just throw defending out the window mm-hmm. um, with with that because it's not going to happen, and that's the last thing you want when you're when you're trying to stay up. You're not gonna you're not gonna all of a sudden you know escape relegation by trying to out out possess and outplay people. Um, you got Calorie where, and then you got you know, got Calorie, Sassuolo, Verona, all on the same amount of points, and it's just right now Verona with the edge on goal difference. You know, Verona garage sailed a lot of players in January. They brought in a couple of guys that 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 look interesting. Um, I think Frosinone is going to go down uh, when it's all said and done. I think that they're really? conceding way too many goals. They're not winning. They're but they're going down trying to play play a pretty game. So you got to at least give them some credit for that. I think that Udinese is talented enough to overcome their position. You know, and then Lecce and Empoli are still not safe. You know, I think 12 and up are all safe when you take a look at this table. But, man, 13 through 20, you know, Salernitana aside, I mean, those last two spots can be anybody at this point. It can be. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely helped out Cagliari a little bit in, in the weekend by, uh, yep. you know, Andre Zeus's blunder. So you're welcome, Cagliari Tani. Um, it's almost but, where you can't put Juan Jesus and blunder in this. You, you, you can't not put one not Jesus put and him, yeah. in the and same here's sentence. The, here's a crazy thing, Frank, is that I truly believe that he's been one of the most consistent center backs that we've had this season. And yeah. not in a bad way. I think he's played pretty decently good this season. Uh, it just, he still makes those mistakes and we pay for them all the time. So, you know, Cagliari, you know, with that, that was a, it was a pretty crucial point. You know, you want to, you want to stay on the same level here as, as uh, you know, we can further help them out by beating Sassuolo this, you know, tomorrow. But I'm, I'm, I'm really actually interested that you mentioned Frosinone is the one that's going to go down. Who's going to stay up in the, in, in, in their place? You think Verona's going to make it? You think, you think um, it's going to have to be one of Verona or Cagliari or maybe even Sassuolo replace them? Um, those two teams and they both stay up. What, I just think, think Sass- I just think Sassuolo are too talented to be there for long. Well, and, and before you know it, you know, Berardi will be back, right? So, yep. you know, he'll be able to bail them out of certain situations. Yep. You know, I, you know, I think, I, I think I could change places. I think I could swap Sassuolo and Cagliari and drop Frosinone and Hellas Verona. You know, okay. and it would be a tough. Now, last year I banged the drum for Ellis Verona because they were in a bad position, and I said, "Oh, they're getting out." <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so trying to figure this out, you have to look at the talent that these teams have at their disposal. You know, Cagliari may not be the most talented, but they're they're well coached. There's going to be the odd game where they're going to get blown out, but they've been in a lot of games. Um, you know, where yeah, they can true. scratch and claw for points. You got to, you know, Ranieri's a, a veteran manager. Uh, Cagliari continued to have their faith in him. Um, you know, I just, I, I look at this Frosinone team that's just leaking goals left and right and dropping mm-hmm. points left and right. And I just, it's the way they're playing is not sustainable. And I, with, with 12 games left, they're not going to change. Um, and, um, I think that Verona did a nice job recovering some of the players that they, that they moved on from. 
I don't know if it's going to be enough to help keep them up. And I think in the long run, it might it might do them in, um, you know. And I don't know if Empoli's completely out of this conversation yet. There's still a team that struggles to score. They've been getting the penalty goals from Yang lately, which which is helpful, um, you know. But the, but they're a team that you don't want to see going down because they do such a good job of producing youth, uh, producing right. young talent. Right. And you want right. that young talent to be able to be playing at the top flight, you know, right. for the sake of for the good of Italian football in general. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Agreed. But, um, yeah, I, I can I can definitely see, um, you know, now that you mentioned Frosinone, they, they've given up the most goals in the league. Um, yeah. You know, I just kind of feel like they're a really tough team at the end of the day that, that could stick it out. But but uh, you're right. I think I would I would swap places between Kadiedi and them. I think uh, I think Frosinone could take the drop. I, I'm I really like. I'm not too high on Sassuolo, even though they do have quality. I, I, I think, I think they they're in a lot of trouble as well. But you know, it remains to be seen. It's going to be fun. It's always fun. It's always yeah. a fun uh, 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 situation to watch out for, and that's what I love about this sport, man. It makes it makes the end of the table just just the end of the table is always so you know competitive, and and I love it. I love it. And, and I mean, all- different this year. Yeah, and all of those games are going to be huge. All of those six-pointers are going to be huge. I mean, Richard and I are going to be getting to a point where, you know, the title's going to be decided, and I think our spotlight games are going to be these relegation battles that come up, mm-hmm. uh, these these six-pointers that come up. So, you know, that's going to be the one that every – that's going to be the stuff that everybody's going to be, you know, intrigued by and paying close attention to. And I'm going to be, you know, watching Empoli against Caliody, <laughs> you know, for that reason. So – uh, just because of some of the drama that goes with it, so it's 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 great. I mean, right now, I think if I had to, you know, just on eye test, if I'm dropping two teams with Salernitana, for me, it's it's Frosinone and and barely Hellas Verona, and and getting Sassuolo and Cagliari out of there. But let's see how the games play out. So, right. um, and let's now move on. We had the uh, Europa and the Conference League draws for the round of sixteen. Um. Before we get to that, uh, Napoli did battle to a 1-1 draw with Barcelona. They go to the Camp Nou now for the second leg of the Derby della Maradona. Um, it's actually not the Camp Nou. The Camp Nou is being renovated. Yeah, you're so right. It's the uh, – where, where are they playing now? I forgot the name of it, <laughs> but it's not the Camp Nou. Um, yeah. All apologies but, you know, to Barcelona, Barcelona fans. Yeah, in Barcelona. So. Um, yeah, I um, – I don't really know how to feel about this one because, to be honest with you, we, we watch a lot of Barcelona at the shop. Gil, the Mexican barber friend of mine, uh, is also a big Barcelona fan. He's yeah. also a big Napoli fan. So it's his heart is being tugged in, in two different ways. But 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 his first love is Barcelona. So we watch a lot of it. And, you know, up until very, very recently, they have been super poor. And yeah. it was really a question of, Who's who's gonna play worse, and who's gonna like trickle into the next round? And um, I was pleasantly surprised by um, their their control of the game um, against Napoli. I really thought it was gonna be kind of sloppy both ways, but they controlled most of the game, and then you know they got their goal under Lewandowski. Osimhen retaliated 15 minutes later, and 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 I'm I'm really happy he did that, but it was our first shot, 
in the game. Uh, we did turn it up after that, and we looked like a, a very different Napoli side for the last 15 minutes of the game. Uh, although Barcelona almost, uh, uh, you know, took the lead right at the end of the game too. Uh, but there were opportunities where Napoli could have taken the lead. So I'm very excited about the second leg. Um, I'm happy with the draw. Um, but I don't see a scenario where Napoli qualify for the champ for the, for the round of, uh, for the, for the quarterfinal. I don't, uh, you know, you have, um, uh, what's his name? Joe Felix is back. Uh, Rafinha is yeah. back and, and they demolished, uh, whoever they played against, uh, the weekend four nil, um, you know, and Napoli are still kind of struggling. So it, we've, we've got a little time. We can turn it around. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's still as even a match as it, as it almost was at the Maradona. But, um, you know, if, if it, it would be really nice to see Napoli qualify for the quarterfinal after the season that they've had, at least we can have a second straight quarterfinal after never being to the quarterfinal before. Sure. That would be really, really, to me, that would be a, a, an accomplishment for the season, for a very dismal, disappointing season. That would be a very nice little, you know, little, um, you know, accolade that we can, well, at least they got to the quarterfinal of the Champions League, right? Sure. Uh, w- remains to be seen. I mean, hopefully everybody can stay healthy and, you know, Calzona could could have these guys playing a little more attacking and, and, and a lot more like last season. If Napoli somehow in the next few weeks become the Napoli that they were last season, then Barcelona may be done for. But uh, I don't know if I see that happening. It just could it could also just be an all-in game for Napoli considering where they're at in the table in Serie A that if that this is their path and you know if they can you know obviously it'd be great for Serie A if they could if they could go there oh, and, sure. and knock it off. Um, you know, but it would be great for Napoli. It would be something that can, you know, can give you guys something to, to appreciate for the season. I look at the other champions. Like I think that Inter go to the Wanda and draw, uh, to secure their spot. And I think that Bayern will overturn for, for all the problems oh, Bayern sure. are having. I think they're going to overturn that result and, and, and go through at the expense of Lazio. So is it safe th- to say that that was a fluke result? Yeah, but I mean, I think you got to also look. Bayern have been really flaky lately. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you, you just you just can't put your you know you, you're trying to put your finger on what the problem is. Um, but even a know, flaky Bayern had no business losing to a, a you know eighth place very true. eighth place Lazio. You know, like, very true. Like it's different if Napoli had won the game. Well, Napoli drew Barcelona. If Napoli had beaten Barcelona, it's like, oh, okay, they're both having sh- struggles this season. It's at the Maradona. I realize the Lazio game was at the Olimpico too, but still, you know, Napoli are the champions, and uh, you know the way they played last season. You know, of course they could beat Barcelona, who's struggling, but a, a Bayern that's as flaky as they are, you know, should have beaten Lazio quite handily, and they didn't even register a shot on target. So. You know, I kind of, I, I mean, like, I want to give Lazio the credit, but that's really a fluky result for me. I, I they will one hundred percent come back, and they may, Lazio may be really in for it. You know, yeah, they're gonna be pretty mad, and, and they're probably gonna win three, four, five, and five nil. Even it's, it sucks to say, because I really would love for all teams to qualify for the next round. Um, uh, 
you know, for coefficients purposes and for, uh, you know, top five purposes, because God knows Napoli need a fifth. You know, it's just it's just Napoli's luck that there's a fifth Champions League spot we can't hit top five. After after hitting top five almost every year from, from now till back in 2010, you know, it's just it would just be our luck if that were to happen. But, you know, I liken that to when there were six six promotion spots in Serie B the year before we went to 20 teams and Napoli finished in like 14th with like 26 draws. Mm. That's just, of course, of course, that'll happen. <laughs> you know. Oh man, you're you're just you're, you 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 want to just torture yourself now. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, it's, it's I got to vent somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. But, but get Lazio it. could really be in for it. I mean, you know, if Harry Kane is scoring and if the team is back to where it should be, you know, they're they're kind of all playing for uh, uh, Tuchel now because he's he's sort of done with the Javi where like he said he's out and now the players want to play for him and then who knows what's going to happen I don't see it being good for for Lazio though I really don't okay uh and I'm with you there uh moving on the Europa League draw will start Milan drew uh Slavia Prague which by all accounts you know if you just look at the name brands and on paper Milan are are widely expected to get through this and I think they will to get to the last eight, I'll just warn anybody, as I did warn them about Stad Rene, that you know, first of all, in Europe, nobody's an easy out, and anything can happen over the course True. of 180 minutes. You know, I said to people that weren't, you know, said Stad Rene, they attack and they're balanced in how they do it. They've got, they've got, they don't have a guy that eats up all the goals. They have a, they they, they get it coming now. Borjo scored a hat trick in the second leg, but that's that's beside the point. So. You know, so Slavia Prague have a couple of prolific forwards, uh, Moimir Chidal and Václav uh, Jurečka. Um, Chidal in particular has four goals in the Europa League, right, you know, uh, this season. Um, and then there's some veteran players that we may not, that may not be household names to Serie A fans, but, you know, Czech internationals like Tomas Holesh, who's had, who has played for the Czech Republic in the past, played for them in the Euros and, and, and played well. Masopust has uh, been a, mainstay on the Slavia Prague team. So, you know, there are some players here that could certainly make this interesting. Uh, but ultimately, this is something that Milan should be able to see through. I don't think it's going to be as easy as Milan fans want it to be. Um, I think they can win comfortably in the first leg. I think 3-0, 3-1 even, but maybe more like 3-0 is reasonable. But going to Prague and going to these Eastern European countries are never easy. You know, and I think that they're going to be pushed there. But ultimately, I think ultimately Milan will go through. But I just, you know, I dropped some names here of some of the Slavia Prague guys that people might want to be careful for. And I, I, I sure know Pioli is paying attention to. Yeah, and and I think they'll be able to get up for this one. I, I, I believe that um, this team has something to play for. Um and I believe that they know it, and I believe that they want to win something else. You know, they they had that scudetto. They kind of want to prove that that scudetto wasn't a fluke, that it wasn't, uh, you know, just you know players punching above their weight. They, this team is quality team and can win. And if if anybody has a real chance at winning the Europa League, it could really be Milan. I mean, Bayern Leverkusen obviously is another. Uh, it could be another worry. I think Atalanta is another worry. We'll get into them, but uh, but you know, 
I don't I don't see another team on these on this list of 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 uh, round of round of sixteen fixtures that uh, that that you know could could withstand maybe Liverpool. I'm forgetting Liverpool, but yeah. uh, those three teams I think are really kind of those three or four teams are the ones to look out for. So Milan should definitely get past Prague with with with. You know, like you said, not maybe not with ease because you know you get to these later stages of the Europa League and even the Conference League, you're starting to start to see some quality. So you know, um, um, it, it could definitely be where there's a banana skin here and 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 Prague end up winning the tie and and you never know. But I just feel like um, I feel like it's a, it's a thing where you know. Milan never won the UEFA Cup slash Europa League, and I think it's something yep. that they'll be looking forward to. So, it's the one trophy not in their uh, trophy room. Uh, you know, even in, going, which is incredible to me because yeah. even like Real Madrid, Barcelona have one. You know, like mm-hmm. like you would think that this team at some point won the the best of the rest cup. Because let's not forget, back in the eighties, nine, even like into the nineties, early two thousands. The, this this tournament was essentially what the Champions League is right now. Mm-hmm. Back then, you had yeah. from two to five in every league, you know, uh, uh, every top league anyway, playing against each other, you know, and 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 th- that was essentially, you know, the the quality of of teams there were were the UEFA Cup was a very prestigious championship, not not so much as now, but. Even even though the winner gets a Champions League spot now, and like I said, though the later in the rounds you go, the better the teams are, the better the quality is. Like like like, I think this was just as important as winning the European Championship way back when in the day. So for a Milan team that was led by Saki, that had you know the 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 Dutch. I mean, I know they were busy winning Champions Leagues, but. But you know, even before that, you know, I, it's it's kind of surprising that the team never actually went out, went ahead and won one of these. So I really do feel like they're, 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 that's a goal of theirs. There's nothing else to really to play for. They're not going to win the Scudetto. They're out of Coppa Italia. So let's go all out on this Europa League. Why not? Why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? I mean, and they're in a safe position in the table, really. Um, you know, it's like nine point nine points clear of six or something like that. So. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I you know, would like to see them make a deep run in this competition and even attempt to win it. Um, Roma and Brighton and Hove Albion, this might be arguably the most exciting tie uh, of these four. I mean, Sporting and Atalanta is going to be really good too. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh, with with the way Roma are now playing under Daniele De Rossi, just completely doing a 180 in their tactics, attacking a lot, making use of the quality that they have going forward. Um you know, and now you go against the Brighton and Hove Albion team who also score their share of goals. Uh, Joao Pedro has six goals here in the Europa League. Uh, Ansu Fati has been a key player, uh, at least in the group stage. We'll see how much they use him here in the knockouts. Pascal Gross, uh, really good on the dead ball for them. Uh, these are names that everybody knows because they watch the Premier League enough. Um you know, Sally March has had a really good season. I'm a big Kairou Matoma fan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with his, I think his skill set as a as a winger would be great for Serie A. Um, you know, right. and that if you know if, if he landed in the right place, there's Matoma out until the end of the season. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Okay, so that changes things. Um, but then 
Duterte has this ability to plug people in. I mean, Simon Adringra has been really good. Uh, Buonanotte coming in plays well. I mean, he's yes. got it. Just it, he's got a system, and he's guys got, he's got guys that fit the system, and he can plug them in and get them to play. I see a lot of goals uh, here. Um, it concerns me that the return leg is at Brighton. Um, you know, I you know this would be the perfect tie for a Roma to go to Brighton for the first leg and feel it out and give themselves something that they can take home. I feel like this is exactly the kind of tie where the team that gets the home draw for the second leg is the team that's in the best position, man. I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to say that Roma gets this done. I just have this sneaking suspicion that Brighton narrowly sneaks it past them by a goal, but this is going to be an exciting two legs. Uh, any way you look at it. Um, it. Vincent thinks it's Roma's European experience, and I wouldn't fight people picking Roma for those reasons. I mean, you know, but I just, I something about this, just this matchup doesn't feel right. And I just, I, I'm going to, I'm going to edge Brighton ever so slightly, and I hope I'm going to be wrong. Well, I, I also am going to, and I also hope I'm wrong, because once again, I really, I really want to have Italian teams go as far as they can. Um, and Roma has been very exceptional in European play, but now they have De Rossi. And I think at the end of the day, when you just match up the players and match up the scenarios and all that stuff, I believe De Rossi will be outmanaged by De Zerbi, who's one of the top managers in Europe, you know, sought after managers in Europe. It could, it's going to come down to management, I think. And, and De Rossi, and De Rossi doesn't have... You know, doesn't even like like hold a candle Great to, point. to 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 Zadvi. So, so it, it, I think if it happens to where uh, Roma don't qualify, it would be a Zadvi thing and not more of a, more a Zadvi thing and and less a Roma quality on the on the because I think Roma are especially especially since Zadvi. I mean, since that De Rossi has come in. Roma have been doing fantastic. You know, the one loss to Inter where they had Inter on their backs, you know, even, yep. you know, like they probably gave Inter the, the biggest scare of the, of the season this season besides that one loss that they had. But, uh, uh, um, you know, again, I think the Zerbi just has miles of experience ahead of, of, of uh, De Rossi, and I think that's going to make the difference. I'm going to go really quick back to uh slavia prague though they actually won their group and roma was in the group they beat roma 2-0 mm-hmm. in the europa league group stages uh, the, you know at, at home of course roma beat slavia at, 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 at home by the same scoreline but that goes back to anything can happen in this europa league competition it really could so so um you know you you really never know what you're gonna what you're gonna get and and uh, um you know uh, Brighton topped their group against uh, Marseille, Ajax, and Athens, and and that's pretty impressive. Four, yeah. you know, uh, four wins, a draw, and a loss, and and you know, they, they had very similar roads to this point, uh, except Roma finishing second and having to play in in the knockout round. But um, yeah, I just think that the Zerbi is just better equipped to beat De Rossi. And now, if it was Mourinho. We may, you know, even though, you know, the, the scenario at Roma wasn't the greatest for him this season uh, and he got let go, mm-hmm. um, I kind of think he got prematurely let go. You know, even though, like I said, it's going really well for De, for De Rossi right now. If this was a Mourinho side, then maybe we might see a different story. But I think Brighton goes through. 
Yeah, I, 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 you know, and again, ever so slightly, um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to predict, um, you know, but in the end, I think that's, that ends up being the right call. Um, you know, going from that to a, uh, didn't we do this already? Uh, but that's what we've got with Sporting Lisbon and Atalanta. And I know you mentioned Liverpool, Leverkusen, and Milan for the Europa League. I think Sporting Lisbon is a dark horse for this thing. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, they're second in Liga Portugal. They've already shown that they can play with Atalanta. Um, they've got attacking talent all over the pitch. They've got Victor Jokeres, who's having an excellent season as their striker. Pedro Gonçalves, Marcus Edwards, uh, all give you some. Uh, trouble up front. They've got good defenders uh, that can deal with aerial battles. Sebastian Cuartes in particular. Uh, Gonzalo Ignacio is about to go make a whole lot of money uh, right. one of these years. Um, and then they've got uh, they've got holding midfield. It's it's, it's going to be mirror image three four three against three four three or mm-hmm. or three five two whatever Gasparini chooses to play. What benefits Atalanta, just like we talked about with Brighton, Atalanta get the second leg at home. And I think that this is another tie where Atalanta might have an edge as a result of this. The thing that I get conflicted with with Atalanta here is they're in fourth. um, Or they're in fifth, I think, and Bologna's in fourth. I got to go back and look at the table. Um, Yeah. But they're in the Champions League spot right now based on how the coefficients are playing out for next season. You know, do they prioritize fighting for that so that they're in that and that this becomes, you know, a luxury that if they go through great, you know, because we've seen teams do that in the past where they just figure out where they're going to cut their losses or do they go for it? I think teams try to win in general, no matter what what they line up. Um, I'm really high on this sporting team, and I think that Atalanta goes out, too. Um, I mm. You know, I think that they, I think they win by two at home against Atalanta, and then when it goes back to Bergamo, it's going to be a draw. That's what that's the way I've got this right now. And again, another one where I hope I'm wrong. I bang the drum for Italian football, but I've also got to be realistic about how these teams match up in some of these teams. And like I said, I think this is a this is a dark horse. The Sporting Lisbon team is a dark horse to win the Europa League. Well, you know, we saw these two teams play each other in the group stage, right? Yep. And I believe Atalanta won uh, both of those games. And uh, They drew 1-1. Oh, did they draw? They did draw 1-1. You're right. Yeah, and I can't remember what uh, – 1-1. That was at Bergamo even. That was um, at Bergamo, yeah. And I think it was 2-2 in Lisbon. Um. 2-1 no. Atalanta. At, I'm 2-1 sorry, 2-1 Atalanta. Atalanta. Yeah. In yeah. Lisbon. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it really just depends on where these teams are when they play. And, uh, you know, you bring up a good point in how Atalanta are going to be looking to try to try to keep top five. Right now, currently, they are in fifth. Because I know I know that, uh, you know, in, in, you know, trying to figure out Napoli situation, I know that they were in fifth. If they win their game, they climb up to fourth. And a six-point gap between top, uh, you know, between Napoli and top five becomes an eight-point gap because we'd be chasing Bologna in fifth place. So, so Atalanta's in fifth place. So, and, and you know they're gonna play Inter tomorrow, and that's probably a loss. Let's 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 just like call a spade a spade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so they they are very well uh in in that zone where it is you know unknown if they'll finish top five but at the end of the day winning the europa league gets you into the champions league too and i and i think gasperini and atalanta after all these years of being really 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 good right i think they missed europe once and mm -hmm. i think uh they've they've really contended you know for most of gasperini's run I think they're kind of hungry for a trophy. And I think uh, this could be a really good opportunity for them to get one because I think they're playing really, really good football. And if they can continue this way, they have a real shot at winning the whole thing. Maybe they're like fourth in the top, in those four teams I mentioned, right? Liverpool, Milan, uh, and Leverkusen. But I think they have a really good chance of getting to the semifinal, which is also a very big, uh, you know, accomplishment. Yeah. Somehow I see. I'm not too high on sporting because I don't watch them enough to be high on them. So, whatever you know about them, I, 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 I'll take your word for. But I think, I think if Atalanta just play their Atalanta game and replicate what they did against Sporting in the group stage, they can qualify for the next round. So I'm gonna go Atalanta with this one. Okay. All right. So I've got two Serie A teams going out where I hope I'm wrong, and and yeah. you've got. Two city out teams in. going through, yeah. so we both agree that we're both agreeing that Roma is going to go out to Brighton. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but again, narrowly. It's going to come down. It's going to come down to the Dead Zerbi versus Dead Rossi, you know, and and yeah. that's just kind of it, you know. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I think that those are going to be Roma, Brighton, and 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 Sporting Lisbon, Atalanta are going to be two of the more exciting ties of this round of sixteen in the Europa League. So, um, you know games that you should definitely make it a point to. And then just going to the conference league real quick, Fiorentina travel to Maccabi Haifa. And I think that this is a big advantage for Fiorentina um, for this, you know, to be able to have the home leg and the second leg, um, you know, in Maccabi Haifa, this is the same club that was basically a big reason why Juventus got knocked out of the champions league at the group yes, stage that's right. uh, last year. Uh, so they are capable of springing the upset. They are not going to be afraid of this occasion. Uh, they're top of the Israeli Premier League right now, um, you know, with a pretty impressive record, uh, you know, 53 goals in 23 games. And yes, I know it's the Israeli Premier League, but you, you know, you play what's in front of you, right? You got to play those games, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... And uh, you take a look at their performance. Uh, these these guys were in the Europa League uh, and got third place in their group and got dropped down uh, to the Conference League where they won over Ghent from Belgium over the course of two legs. Um, so not successful in Europa League play coming into Conference League. Uh, you know, they do win to both legs 1-0. Uh, Franz Di Piro is their leading scorer. Uh, Dean David, I think is how you pronounce it, also capable of scoring. Those are the probably the threats for Maccabi Haifa. That said, we talk about Fiorentina having this capability of brain farting from time to time, but even even if they do, they're going to score too much to 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 uh, for it to matter. Um, I, I think that score draw in Israel is realistic. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the know, same thing. One one two two, but then I think when it gets back to the Artemio Frankie, it's three, it's three nil, four nil, maybe even four one. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I was gonna actually say, 
you know, I could see a one-one in Israel. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think Maccabi's going to be up for you know the 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 home uh, the home encounter. Um, but uh, I just can't see Fiorentina not qualifying from this. I, j- I can't. You know, I I can't see them not going far in this competition. You know, you, you you've got Ajax and Aston Villa playing each other, so they're going to knock each other out. You yep. know, either one of them. The only other team I can see that maybe might give Fiorentina some sort of a run is possibly Fenerbahce, but I mean, I you mm-hmm. know I don't even just just because of the fact that they've been around here, you know, I I don't I honestly don't see anybody better than Fiorentina um, except for maybe like I said Aston Villa, you know, in in this competition. So I have them going pretty far. They'll qualify past uh, Maccabi Haifa. Interesting about the the um, the the fact that they they came in from the Europa League. Uh, were you aware that the Europa League um, the Europa League teams, all of the teams uh, that came from the Champions League, were eliminated from the Europa League besides Milan and Benfica? Did hmm. you realize that? No, I didn't. I... <laughs> every single every single Champions League team that came from the, that finished third in their group, except for Milan and Benfica, were knocked out by Europa League teams. So I think that these these teams are are teams that should be well high regarded. You know, like my point back to to to, to diminishing the Europa League. I don't think anybody should diminish Europa League. And and then, you, like I said earlier, you see these even the Conference League when when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you're gonna get quality teams. Aston Villa, Ajax, who's not quality this year, but you know they still have a name. Lille is there, Olympiacos is there, Bruges had a really good Champions League last season. Maccabi, like you said, you know beat beat Juventus. Fiorentina went to the final. The you know Fenerbahce's here. You San Geloi were, was in the. The, the semifinal, I think, of the Europa League as well, you know, uh, or the quarterfinal anyway. It, you know, these are these are teams that are – you're starting to get to the quality. You're starting to get to the meat of these of these teams. Zagreb, Dinamo Zagreb, right? They're, they're here. They're an exciting team. So, you know, it, 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 I, I don't like to put, a, put these competitions down. Uh, and I think winning something like this for Fiorentina would be a very big step in Italiano's run and for Fiorentina – However, like you mentioned, they have these brain farts where I can see them going far in the tournament, but I don't know if they'll win the tournament. Sure. But um, but for sure, I can see them qualifying over Maccabi Haifa for sure. Sure, sure. I it's, it, it, So a breezy one for Fiorentina. Reasonably easy for Milan, but not without their challenges. But then Roma and, and, and Atalanta have got some really tough draws. We'll see how those all, we'll see how those all play out. Uh, so that's Europe uh, with the results of those draws. And um, that's it. Uh, man, we, <laughs> Rafa came to the rescue. So it's only fair that I give you the floor now, my friend, to uh, tell our listeners uh, what, uh, what to expect from you and some of the stuff that you're putting out there these days. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm still on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, at Rafanopoly83. Uh, you can look for me there. Um, I did, you know, the uh, sadly, the Raf and Rafanopoly rant has um, folded. Uh, Ralph Biz <clears throat> is busy, very busy, you know, no pun intended, with uh, with his career. 
Uh, he he's taking a step up in his career and just has no more time. He he doesn't have the time he he wants to put into the Napoli rant. The entity still remains. I may still do something with the uh, with the entity, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I've, I'm pretty pressed for time myself. But in the meantime, I have um, you know still working on Far From Vesuvius, making it better. Uh, we've had a quite a quite a lengthy lull. Uh, besides the rant being a member of the of the network and uh, the great podcast in the shadow of Vesuvio with Henry Bell and Michele Borelli, um, but 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 we've kind of taken a uh, we've kind of gotten a, like a third wind here where uh, Ken Chofredi is manning the socials and making appearances on CBS Sports Galazzo Network, which was awesome for him. Great. Um, and Marco Cubani D'Onofrio, have uh, formerly of uh, Stereo Serie A, has you know has come in and started a betting um, a podcast. We did the first episode this past weekend where he he put out a few um, you know feelers for Cagliari Napoli. He's going to do the same for the Juve game. It'll be once a week. And then uh, you know I can't sit idle myself, so I created the Noiti Fiat Monopoly podcast. It was just me at the time. I found a really suitable uh, co-host in Daniel Russo, who is young. He plays. He was in a city of D team at one point. Uh, nice. He's he he plays for college here in 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 Connecticut, um, and he's a massive Napoli fan. A great mind for the for the game. So I I, I like to have a, a youthful counterpart. You know, no more of this forty forty club with me and Ralph Biz. It's now I'm forty and he's twenty six. So, um, you know, he's joined me and it was a, a great, um, a great move because we've been getting a lot of really good reviews. Uh, you can find all of that at far from Vesuvius on, uh, X far from Vesuvius network on Instagram, the Tifiamo Napoli podcast. You can find on at Tifiamo NA underscore FFV on X, same thing for Instagram, we have a Linktree account where all of our links are there. You can just search Linktree far from Vesuvius. You'll find it. Uh, look at all of our socials. You can get it. But yeah, man, we're trying to keep really busy with this network to put out co- more and more content like like, like every day or every other day. So I'm keeping myself busy and um, uh, you know, still barbering and still with the family, doing the family thing and, and – you know, love and life, man. Despite this Napoli slip, I can't really complain. <laughs> we, you know, we I, I was in Naples for the for the trophy lift. I don't know if I was on since you guys uh, since that uh, time. No, no, we haven't had you on but, since but, then. But, I don't think. but yeah, we went to we Great. went to Napoli. My father and I went to Napoli. Uh, my my fiance was with us for the first week. The second week was all Napoli fest and you know celebrating the, the scudetto. Went to some went to Napoli Sampdoria. Fabio Quagliarella's last game. Um, and celebrated the trophy and it was the time of my life. And, um, you know, I can't be, upset. I can't be too upset, man. You know, we, mm-hmm. we were able to, you know, I, I lived the Maradona Scudetto. I lived the, you know, uh, I, I lived through that and I have, you know, flashes of memories of that. But, uh, this past year was one of the best years of my entire life. And, and, and if you asked me at the beginning of 22, 23, that if Napoli were to win the Scudetto, this season and then but i have to accept a like mid table napoli next season i'll take it a hundred times out of a oh sure and i would do it again i would do it again oh absolutely i would i would uh, you know i'd 
I did. I did do it. Ninety five, ninety six, winning the Scudetto, <laughs> and then ninety six, ninety seven. We're going to re- <laughs> going to going to recycle six that points one. Points from relegation. Do you understand yeah. that? You were six points from Napoli. weren't that great. I think Napoli and Milan shared points that season. You know, it wasn't the it wasn't the best of years. I think lost uh, lost to Juve six to one that season too. That was a bad um, year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was rough. Italy were embarrassed in the Euros just prior to that, and and, yep. and I'll never forget that. And then I just couldn't believe how bad Milan were. Like, but then you know I'm looking at the similarities, and you know you had to fire your new manager you brought in, you brought in an ex manager. Yep. It all happened to us, and I was like, wow, isn't this Parallel, similar? The parallels, like, it's right? Yeah. Crazy, crazy parallels there. Yeah, yeah, for that. sure. Hey, you got through it. We're gonna get through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all, we, we all, we all move on. We all move yeah. on. So we'll put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. We uh, have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is City I Sit Down. Uh, you can go to at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, check us out there and give us a follow. We're also on Facebook as well. Here on the YouTube channel, if you're watching this for the first time and uh, you enjoyed yourself and you have no choice but to, we had Rafa, we had Rafa here and... And everybody in chat was enjoying his hair. Um, so uh, please uh, subscribe. Um, uh, but more importantly, hit that like button. Uh, and then also hit the notification bell because that's the most important part. That'll give you a heads up for when we go live next. And uh, generally, we are on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, here on the YouTube channel uh, unless we report otherwise. Um, once again, uh, Sunday, March 24th, we're going to pick a time sometime after the Italy Ecuador game, uh, city, I sit down, going to be a great day for Italian football. We've got Italy against Ecuador in New York. And then after that, you, you get home and you get online for city, I sit down's 300th, uh, podcast. So hey, if you need a correspondent from the front live from Red Bull arena, I'm your guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm your guy, man. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna link you and we're gonna get you on for an appearance and we're gonna have to figure out if we do that from New York or or, or what, but we'll make that happen. So um yeah, but definitely we, we, we need to celebrate our birthdays together, my friend. That's yes, sure. most definitely, most definitely. And Rafa, thank you so so much for uh, jumping on in relief. Uh uh it's it's been too long since the last time you were on here. We're gonna have to make the next one a little shorter. So Um, thank you thank you very much for jumping in uh thank you all everyone in the chat for chiming in and giving your comments anthony privatera you know rewind this back a little bit here's some of the things we had to say about inter it's a historic run that they're on right now and i we dropped a lot of statistics to support that um and uh we will be back and richard should be back and good to go next tuesday night we will be back 9 p.m eastern time uh here um to uh, review all things that go on in this weekend's matches and all the news that uh, uh, we think are important to put on this uh, show. So that's it. Uh, On behalf of Richard, Richard's also at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. I'm at FTC underscore 21 on X if you want to give us follows there. For my good friend Rafa, my birthday twin Rafa, I'm Frank. Be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Mette in mezzo la caccia di Lorenzo e la potenza di